We are I. We got Charles back on the show, you guys, and uh, Charles. Right now, his episode amongst anybody else's on WeRI has just been trending hard. It's gained the most traction. It's got the most feedback on social media, and everybody just loves Charles. And I understand why. He's a great guy. You know, we were just talking about, you know, personality characteristics. And, you know, you guys may or may not get, like, a full aspect of, like, the amazing energy that comes off this guy. I get the benefit because I'm sitting across the table from him. Uh, but we're, we're back, and we're going to talk a, a lot about training and just kind of breaking it down and, you know, some of the things that, you know, Charles has done with his bodybuilding, you know, to be able to, you know, make himself money and, you know, to get his image out there and just some of the things that he's got coming down the line. So, again, welcome to the episode, Charles. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks, Blake. And, uh, wow, <laughs> thanks for the great intro. I hope the, the, the podcast lives up to it. You know, and it's it, one of those things – about these podcasts, I was just talking about this with somebody on the way down. Somebody helps me with all the social media strategy behind WeRI. And it's always the ones, the sleeper ones. You just, like, you don't know why. Like, you know, because like I told you the first time we met, I'm like, you know, this guy's got great energy. You know, this is going to be awesome. You know, but you never really know how it's going to go. And yeah. usually when I feel that way, for some reason, it doesn't go that way. And yeah. I don't know what the rhyme or reason I don't think anybody really does in like the digital age or social media like things just trend for whatever reason but the cool thing was is that everybody connects the same way that I connect with you and stuff so I, I think that's awesome I, it's almost like a good analogy would be when you're preparing for a, a movie that's coming out and it's got a few really big names in it and it's hyped and hyped and it's you're just thinking this movie's gonna rock I can't wait to go see it and you go and see it and it's a little bit of a letdown like for me when I first saw Pulp Fiction, I had heard so much about it that by the time I saw it, I was very unimpressed the first time. You know, I was like, well, everyone told me how amazing it was. And eh, it was a decent movie, but it could never live up to the hype that everyone was talking about. And then you fast forward and uh, I'm on Netflix and I put in a movie called John Wick, oh, which, which I had never even, I had that. not even Love heard that. of it until yeah. I saw it on Netflix. And I, and I was just blown away. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. How did I not know this movie was in the theaters? I was just, it was amazing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a fantastic movie. Like the storyline and the action from beginning to end, it was fantastic. And I couldn't wait for the second one. You know, and the one thing, I was exactly the same way with the John Wick series. I actually didn't even know that John Wick 1 was even around until John Wick 2 came out oh, and wow. started trending on Netflix. And I was like, this is awesome. Like this movie, and I I think the reason why that I like it so much is not only because the storyline, you know, it's kind of like that same story, but it's slightly different. But the older that I get and the more I understand about Keanu Reeves yeah. and how the type of human being uh, he is outside of it, when yeah. he's in a movie now, I just love it so much. Like, he's an authentically amazing human being, this oh, guy. Oh, absolutely. He's just, uh, he's he's an amazing, amazing person. I've heard stories of him going to nightclubs uh, in one particular moment, I read a story where it was his birthday 
and he was standing outside in the lineup and the it was his birthday and the party was for him and he still waited behind everybody until he got to the front of the line and they let him into the club like there's so who, many stories is, like yeah, that exactly. like the humility of him and just you know like there's a lot of people who have achieved like his level of but his success but he's just like next level human being yeah. for sure it's never really God, and there might be some stories, but I, like I guess everything that's coming out now about who he is yeah. is just is crazy. Because I'm like the flip side of that. Like I, I kind of see a lot of his success because of movies like The Matrix and John Wick and like all these super popular ones. A lot like Johnny Depp, and we kind of know the way Johnny Depp's got it's like <laughs> 47 houses, 18 yeah. planes, you know, like you know, just like you know, thirty thousand dollars worth of yeah. wine a day, like and, just yeah. bananas. And right? then you have. Um, Keanu Reeves, who uh, gave away half his paycheck on The Matrix to all the guys who are working in the camera and behind the scenes to make the movie possible. Absolutely. Like, that's unheard of. I, I, I read where he had said that he's already made enough money to live 10 lifetimes. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't need any more money. And especially the the life that he lives. Like, it's not that extravagant. I'm sure there's some aspects of it that is, but, you know, where he says, like, 10 lifetimes is probably a 100 of the lifestyles that he wants oh, absolutely. to live. You know, but it would be 10 lifetimes of the people who have 14 houses and yeah. 30 cars and all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? But, and he takes a subway still, apparently, when he's in New York. Yeah. You know, and just you know, and building that connection with people and not trying to isolate him from himself. And because he carries that air, when he's out in public, I know when he's been in Vancouver, it's almost like he's not really there yeah. around you. There's not you know, 10 bodyguards yeah. around. There's not this big entourage. It's just, he's just, just a guy. He's just one of those people that happens to be a person that makes movies for a living, but his everyday life is probably rather normal, except for being on set. Yeah. You know, which is, I, I mean, I, I, I commend him for, for that kind of lifestyle. It's really fantastic. Yeah. Well, and just with the amount of opportunity you'd have for, you know, the wheels to come off with the, come off the bus of humility. You know, Absolutely. like every day you'd be Absolutely. tested with that in a hundred different ways. Yeah. And he's just, he's always stayed true to this person who he wants to yeah, be. Yeah, he's very grounded. Yeah, absolutely. He's very grounded. Um, so let's kind of get into a little bit of, a little bit of training here. I know that, you know, people may or may not have seen how jacked you are until I posted <laughs> those pictures on social media and now everyone's just like, damn, that guy's jacked. And, uh, so I want to kind of dip into, to training a little bit because there's a lot of stuff that hasn't really trained. Like you just got to. You just got to put in your work. You just got to, you know, get it done. It's got to be day after day. But um, I got to wonder if you if you want or if you don't mind, if we could break it down, you know, maybe like, you know, like, like chest, like back, like legs, you know, just kind of, you know, there's no, there's obviously no tricks to it. But like, what are some of the techniques example for like, like chest? Like, what have you found over like all these years? You know, like if well, you just want to build some mass, like I just want to touch these, all these guys or all these women who just want to push weight, build mass, you know, like what's. What's your story? Well, let's uh, let's just start from the very beginning. So when I first started training, it was for hockey. I was 15. I wanted to put on a little bit of size. We started to hit. And uh, as I started training, I started to grow a little bit. And then I fell in love with bodybuilding. So as a youngster in Winnipeg growing up, I was 15, 16, 17, looking at the, the magazines. I was under the impression that you had to live in California to be a bodybuilder who was on stage. I had no idea there were shows going on in my own hometown. Eventually I found this out. I started doing shows, uh, I believe my first one was 1990. So I'm, I'm pretty old, I'm getting up there pretty good. <laughs> and when you're first starting, you just train as hard as you can all the time. 
you have no idea what's going on and, and when you're young you grow you, you don't know anything about nutrition and as the years go by and you read this magazine that magazine you start to learn a bit more you talk to some of the older lifters that are lifting and they give you some tips so for me I was never very strong so there were there would be a lot of guys in a gym that lifted a lot of heavy weights and I just couldn't do it every time I tried to lift heavy I, I was injured so I stuck to doing what would be heavy for you sorry to cut you off like like one rep max three reps five I've eight. never done one rep max in my life never so I was always in I would say seven to twelve rep range okay how come like wh why did you never go lower than seven I just wasn't very strong yeah so I wanted to get a weight that would I could lift at least 70 times plus I never got a pump if I lifted really light like if I lifted only two or three reps I didn't get a pump and I didn't have any blood flow and for me I wanted to make that for me it was all about getting a pump when I was younger yeah. because the muscles swell it felt really good and it was, you were almost growing in front of the mirror when you had a pump two hours later you shrunk back and you were looking <laughs> back like the skinny little kid you Where's were. Where's the arginine come on. Yes exactly. So I never did the one rep maxes or the, or the low reps. It was always a little bit higher. And um, I grew pretty decently as a kid. I was very athletic. My genes are pretty decent, my genetics. So uh, putting size on wasn't extremely hard. Plus, I lived at home until I was 20 years old. So I was eating home-cooked meals like around the clock. So calorie intake was not a problem. So I trained. What's a home cooked meal? Um, a Wiener schnitzel. Oh yeah. Mashed potatoes yep. with the salad. It was the meat and potatoes diet and salad. Yeah. Every single day. And my mom made so much food. And there was a lot of foods that, um, like knedle and some foods that are Hungarian that uh, no one would understand what they are because I I only know them in the one language. Uh, dumplings, I guess. Yep. Um. So, but the, the basis of the diet was meat and potatoes with salad. And my mom made so much food that I always had leftovers. So I would have two or three or four of these meals a day, plus my regular, what I was having for breakfast, my eggs or whatever it was. So the, the calories were always easy to get in. So you train, you eat, 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 you go out and hang with your buddies, train again, eat, eat, go to bed. That was the basis of everyday life, yeah, and unless I was working. So it's it was just like your concept was like, you know, like calories because you didn't say like, you know, protein or carbohydrates, fats. Like you were just like, it was generic. It was more just like calories. I need this in me. Like it's I, just that's what it was at the time. When I was young, I had no idea. I didn't know anything about, you know, a gram per pound of body weight or macro, you know, macronutrients or dividing your carbohydrates, your proteins, and your fats. I just ate. You know, it, if I was eating carbs all day, I had no idea until somebody told me, well, you got to have lots of protein because protein is what makes you grow. So then whenever my mom made food, I would make sure I loaded up on all the meat and then load up on the potatoes. We had potatoes almost every day. Yeah. Mashed potatoes, roasted potatoes, grilled potatoes, potato soup. We had yeah. <laughs> Easy staples, all right? I grew up on the prairies too. Like I said, like there's always those staples. Like that's just what it is you know it's yeah. the, the filler stuff so that you actually leave you know like the dinner table feeling full you know because that's all what it used to be when i was growing up was just you know is your belly full you know put some meat on your bones you know like there's yeah. all these these things where it's just 
calories. Like where you're saying like these filler calories, not like refined, you know, calories. Absolutely. Protein, what's carbohydrates, what's fats, what's the combinations. And, and, and there was no BCAAs. Yeah. There was no essential amino acids. There was no uh, L-arginine. Uh, none of these uh, supplements. It wasn't even pro. I think um, there was a little bit of protein powder. It was horrible. It didn't blend. It really didn't taste good. So we never we never drank it. You know, it, we we would be drinking raw eggs. You know, stuff like that because it was just wasn't available back then. Well, and that was you know that was like a big thing that happened back then too. Whereas like that's kind of people's idea of what you would do. You know, you'd have like this. This big glass, you know, we've seen in lots of old school movies. Yeah. This guy be breaking eggs into a glass, and he'd be down like, gol, gol, you know, and it, like that was the image of it. And you know, like I was started taking protein powders probably the, for the first time in like the late '90s, you know, maybe even like the semi early 2000s. And even then, they were still terrible. Yeah, um, I believe actually uh, in the mid '90s there was one called To Grow 2000. It tasted pretty good. Now, I don't know how healthy it was, like how much sugar there was in there, the fillers, but we drank it all the time because it tasted really good. And we thought, this tastes amazing, but are we growing from it? Who knows, but who cares? It was. What was the stomach was, like after it was? In, like, I, I felt fine, actually. Yeah. It wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. Which is interesting for products back then because, you know, there's just basically this mix of kind of like whatever, you know, if guys were growing like a pound or, you know, anything yeah, on those lines, right? And there was no digestive enzymes. Yeah. Uh, Stomach ache in a bottle. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And, and if there were any type of a supplement, you had to really be in the loop to know. Like there was vanadyl sulfate was around, a couple of little things here and there. But, you know, as a 19-year-old kid, I lived at home, I was working part-time. I didn't, I just didn't have the extra funds yeah. to to take those kind of things. Was there any, you know, like what we look at it now between all these, you know, major brands, you know, like, like Fuel and Reflex and Popeyes and GNC and you know, like all like, was there any, place, like, where would you even go? To there was stuff? one that was, there was a store in Winnipeg called Vita Health and it was a health store and it did sell vitamins and whatnot, but they didn't have a very big section for bodybuilding per se. They had some protein powders in there, but it wasn't too... It was nothing too spectacular, and we didn't. I didn't have much money. What know? was the feeling going into the store, like being that guy? You're walking into like a health food store, and like your bodybuilder guy wants something like protein. Like, was it accommodating back then, or was it like you know going into Blockbuster behind the curtain and you know getting getting um, the special movies? You didn't really see too many uh, bodybuilders back then. There was a few guys in the gym that were really that were, that were exceptionally large. And I was never one of those guys at first. When I first started training, my I had a, a membership at, at World Gym. It was bought for me as a as a birthday gift. I was, I believe, 17, I think I got that. And when I started training there, I was, like, really nervous. There was a few massive guys, massive, and I couldn't believe how big they were. And it was funny because after the years had passed, after about five or six years of training there, you know, when I started to get a little bit bigger and some of those guys, you know, they were finished with it and they moved on to different things. And then eventually you're, you're one of the bigger guys in the gym. You don't even realize it. And for me, I always had an issue. I had like reverse anorexia. Okay. So yeah. I never, ever felt big in my life. So I was always trying to get bigger. When I was young, I was like, I just got to get to 200 pounds. 
once I get to the 200 pound club, I'm good. So eventually you get 200 pounds. Um, I just got to hit 205. You know, then you go from 205 to 210 and you're thinking, you know what, 220. 220 is the number. I think 220 on me will look really, really good. So you train and you train and you eat and you jump on the scale and eat some more and you train and it, it never ended. At one point I was 200 and I got up to 278 pounds. And That's a big jump from just wanting to be 200. Yeah, that was, that was many years. That was about 20 years in, of working to get there. But even still, though, it's like that much extra weight on a body. And, you know, like you're talking like dense mass, too. Oh, right? yeah. So. And I was, I remember looking in the mirror and thinking to myself, at 278, I'm looking in the mirror. And I thought at this weight, I would look humongous. And I was like, I don't even look fantastic. Like, I don't even look so big. And I knew at that point, I'm going to have to get to 300 if I really want to feel big. And I knew I could never get to 300. And it would probably really wreck my health. Because at the by the time I got to 278, I was already doing, I was taking massive amounts of food in, plus uh, protein drinks. It was nonstop. You're full all the time. I was full. By the time I had breakfast, my second meal, I was full from my last meal, but before I ate my next meal. And that went on all day until you get to bed so it was pretty it was it was it's hard it was and you know like on the digestive system too right you know just trying to process all those calories and just pack it's, it all in it yeah. just is so like you know we're, we're physically pushing our body we're just breaking all this muscle down and tearing the tendons and the ligaments down and you know but then on the inside the thing that we can't see or that we can't like we feel like we can't feel what we actually can is just getting beat down and just rocked too just from trying to process absolutely all this and you know a lot of people look at some of the guys and they see uh, the distension in the guts and they're like, oh, that's uh, from growth hormone. But it really isn't. It's from eating constant amounts of food all day, every day for three, four, six, seven years. And I didn't take any digestive enzymes. I wasn't taking any probiotics. You know, I wasn't doing anything to counteract all the massive amounts of food. And we know now that uh, whey or dairy products are extremely bad for gut inflammation, as is animal protein. So you're drinking four or five whey, whey shakes a day, plus having four or five meals, all with either eggs or beef or chicken, all the time. And you do this for three or four or five, six years, and your guts are inflamed. So it has nothing to do with drug use. Because when you look now at some of the guys, you'll see the guys who are in maybe physique or the classic physique, and they're pretty big guys, but they can all do vacuums and they got small waists. And I, I think that's because the amounts of food is much, much less. And they're pretty big guys, but they're just uh, the amount of food they're pummeling into their guts. And nowadays, they're probably smart enough to know we're using digestive enzymes, we're doing probiotics, we're making sure there's good bacteria in the gut you know, to counteract all the inflammation, which I didn't do any of that. Well, I think too, you know, like the amount of like unnecessary calories you ate, you know, just because that's the face was just calories, yeah. you know, yeah. like, but those, you could have gone without eating a lot of those calories. Absolutely. They were just completely pointless. Yeah, absolutely. Growth, right? Absolutely. It was, uh, it was a total waste. But it was a learning curve for me. Absolutely. Well, there was just, there was no information back then. Right? Well, like, but this, this is, is the even beginning of the two seventy eight wasn't even that far. That wasn't even that long ago. That was probably two two thousand and 
2008 to 2009. Yep. So that's only 10 years ago. The information was out. We didn't we didn't have all the information on the gut health. Yeah. But um, we knew there was digestive enzymes and um, other things that would help to so you can process the food quicker in your belly. So that by the time it was time to eat your next meal, you you know the, the last meal was already moving moving out. Yeah, I'd have to say, you know, being plugged so hard into the industry, I, I would say about 15 years ago is when people started talking more about, you know, have some of these, you know, um, these chupo papaya, you know, to be able to, with the digestive Bromaline. Like, yeah, yeah, like all these kind of things. You know, But those were like the, like, quote, unquote, like the hippies, you know, like the, the bodybuilders just like they, the people they clashed with because it was like, no, 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 you know, I need my egg whites, you know, I need my steaks, you know, and like this. And like, so the information was there, but like, we just weren't receptive of it. And I, if I had to venture a solid guess, I would say it's only really been, I don't even know, I would say seven years if I had to throw like the best guess out there where people have actually been like, okay, these are changes we need to make. Let's start incorporating. And then now the information vortex is just like a tornado. Like there's so much information out there. So many people are like, yeah, you know, and I'm going to research this and I'm going to do that. And there's, you know, like think of like reverse dieting coming off shows, you know, know, digestive enzymes, probiotics, leaky gut, you know, like all these different things. Like there's stuff that almost everybody talks about now. Yeah. Well, now it's a whole different because I think the bodybuilding world is amalgamating or mixing a little bit with uh, the world of health. So people are smarter as to putting muscle on. And back then there was a lot of the old off-season bulking. So bulking is the building of muscle tissue and the gaining of fat tissue. So you would have guys that would be massive, but they didn't look like bodybuilders, but they were huge. And so they would have to diet down for the shows. And nowadays, you don't see too many guys that are really out of shape, you know, in, in the off season, to, just to put on size. You grow better if you are, if you stay leaner, anyways. Well, it's, it's just so much effort on the backstretch, right? You know, like when you got to take off like 25, 30 pounds of fat. Yeah. You know, just like the amount of like how much more extreme your dieting has to be or how much more cardio you have to do. Yeah. Or how much sooner you have to start doing it all before your, your show for your contest prep. You know, like all that stuff takes time and effort. You know, and like, well, obviously we know it's pretty easy just to grab a six pack of donuts and eat them. But like <laughs> on the flip side of all of that, you know, when you're, you know, 12 weeks out from a show or 16 weeks out from a show like that's where you really got to gut check yourself and be yeah. like, do i want to keep trying to take off this 20 30 pounds all the time it's, and it's really hard on on the heart absolutely you know all that extra extra weight and because when you have so much weight and you are carrying a lot of fat uh, there's a very good chance especially if uh, there's a very good chance that your blood pressure is going to be quite high um some people are, are managed to have good blood pressure maybe they're a little bit taller or their body can just uh, take the extra weight. But for me, when I was 265, 270, my blood pressure was pretty high. So I knew it wasn't, I just didn't have the kind of bone structure. I was only five foot 10 and I didn't feel good at that weight. You know, it was, I couldn't put my, tie my shoes up because my gut was so distended. I was wanting, I was hoping that Velcro shoes were going to come back in style. I just had to wait a few more years and get some easies and stuff. You know, yeah, exactly. you just go and get some like you know, like flip flops and stuff. Flip flops right? in the middle of December, which is yeah. not so bad if you're living on the West Coast. Yeah, but, but in Winnipeg, it's a little bit different. Oh, right? you couldn't do it in Winnipeg. Yeah. I, I never got that big when I was in Winnipeg because I moved in '96. 
Okay. So uh, I think at the, the heaviest I was when I lived in Winnipeg was probably in, in my 240s at that time. How old were you when you moved out here? I moved in 96, so I was 26 years old. Okay. When 240 at 26, that's a pretty big guy. Yeah. And yeah, when you're walking around, you know, being like, you know, like that age, that weight, you know, like we all kind of go through those things. It's like, is guys, you know, were you like that guy that everybody wanted to fight when they went out? Or well, like I worked kinda... in the clubs. So I, ha- I had a, a year or two where I was fighting all the time. Yeah. And I was working in two different clubs. And one club was a little bit of a, um, a lot of drunkards and a lot of, it was on a different side of the tracks of town per se. You know what I mean? Whereas one club, people, we, the doormen were dressed in, suit, in a dress shirt and a tie. And in the other club, we could wear whatever we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'd have the blood stains yeah. on the shirts with a t-shirt in the car to change into, and we bats behind the the bar just in case. And it was it was crazy. It was chaos. And just you know, like being like that guy that age, you know, everybody wants to be like, oh, I can fuck that guy up. You know, just they, yeah, like, yeah. That attitude, you get the right? Saturday night champions. Yeah. You know, so that happened a little bit, but it didn't happen too often. You know, lucky for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know. And in those kind of situations, it only takes once too, right? You know, where like that that weekend warrior comes in that yeah. can't stand, you know, lay him out yeah. a couple times, yeah. and he goes back to the car, and you know, like I don't know what it was like back then, but it's probably good it's not now, where oh. that guy, same guy would go to the car now and grab a gun, where you know, versus before they might just go home with a couple black guys, right? We were working at the one club, and we threw these guys out before them, and a crazy brawl in a bar. And they got, we went outside and we stood on the stairs. So there's about four stairs coming up to where the door was. And they had gotten into their car. They had an old, big, big car. And they drove the car full on right at us and hit the staircase. And smashed the whole front. And we were like, gee, like these guys, like craziness. Cops came down. We had to call the cops and people were arrested. They were all drunk. And it was insane. It was it was crazy, and then out came you know later uh, people. And if had you're just standing in a slightly different spot, right? Yeah, you know, we, yeah. Like... We were lucky we were up on the stairs. Yeah. So we were we were pretty safe, but still, like. What uh, was the pepper spray like? Um, I got pepper sprayed actually right out front of uh, a club I was working at by uh, two of the guys that we were fighting. Right, and it was still like it was what seven o'clock at night, or, and it was still light outside. <laughs> And it was a big so brawl. Literally, that was a, a day drinking going on right out. there, right? Yeah, <laughs> brawl broke out, and we got pepper sprayed, and it was uh, it, that stuff burns. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, you're you're almost done for the night. You know. Well, and you know, just yeah, I've never been pepper sprayed. I just imagine though, you know, like in the nose, the mouth, the eyes, like just how that whole experience would feel. Right? Yeah, it's a terrible feeling. When I, the one club I was working at, it was only about seven minutes away from the hospital, and I had been to the hospital three times just to get stitched up in my hands. It was crazy. Yeah. It was a, it was just an insane situation, and this is this is back in ninety one, ninety two, ninety three in that time. Yeah. So it was pretty uh pretty insane. Yeah. Well, they said probably just good that it's not, you know, like what it is right now, because obviously, you know, the stories you see on the news and reading the newspapers are a lot crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. I I could never, I would never wish anyone to do it now. It's crazy. And we were getting paid 11 bucks an hour. (laughs) That's awesome. Plus tips, baby. Plus tips. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it it was really, really, it was pretty insane. I lived at home. Otherwise, there's no way I could have done it. Yeah. And I, I actually lived in White Rock for a year in 1990 
and then I moved from Winnipeg to White Rock. I lived a year, and then I moved back. So I needed a job right away. And a friend of mine who was working at the club said, "Why don't you come down and work with us?" Yeah. And I was like, "All right, like how bad can it be?" Yeah. <laughs> and little did I know it was going to be you know Royal Rumble yeah. every two or three weekends. Yeah, yeah. Now you know, right? But yeah, uh, yeah that's crazy. You know, and again, it's like. You see a lot of bodybuilders, you know, end up in those areas, or, you know, maybe like you used yeah. to, you know, like, and I don't know whether it's because, um, you know, like all these clubs just want to hire those guys because they just, you know, being jacked up dudes is, you know. We had, when I, at the, uh, at the, the world gym I was training at, so there was about six or seven of us. We were all friends from hockey. We knew each other long before we were into working out. We started to all train roughly around the same time. And then we all started working at the clubs around the same time, and they were all really great guys. You know, they were really uh, they were really fantastic people. They were not the, your typical doorman, like the stereotypical, you know, guy who is a prick or throwing people out just because or being an asshole at the door. Like these guys are really nice guys, you know. And and they just end up working in the bars. We were all we would all go out. After after working, we'd go to the world gym. It was twenty four hours. Sometimes we'd train at three o'clock in the morning. Awesome. You know, it was it was pretty cool. It was you all know, right. And, you know, even breaking down that stereotype is like, you know, I don't know if it is so much now or just because I'm older now. But you know, you when I was young, I remember you know just kind of like this static mentality amongst everybody. As soon as you seen some guy that was big and jacked up, you just naturally thought he was gonna be a dick. Yeah. You know, like male or female, everybody thought that. You yeah. know, young and old is just like, there's that jacked up guy. He can't be nice because he's jacked up. Yeah. And there was one or two guys that were like that. So if there's one or two guys that are like that, you just assume the whole group is like that. Did you used to get treated like that? You know, like when you'd walk around like day-to-day public, you know, grocery um, store, gas station. No, not stuff. really. Yeah? Not really. You know, I always tried to be really funny. Yeah. And I never felt big in my life. So I never had any kind of an air of, and not that other people did, but I never walked with an air of, look at me, you know, or I'm big or, you know, I always felt like a regular 185 pound guy at all times. So I never talked about, oh, it's really hard for me to, you know, get into the car because I'm big or I can't have a sports car or whatever it is. I have trouble buying clothes. I never talked to like things like that. So I was just a regular person. And when I looked at myself, I, to me, I always looked normal. Yeah. You know what I mean, and uh, which that helps too when you when you're walking around that kind of air, people are gonna pick up on that too, right? Because there's not yeah. a lot of guys that are like that. It's like you know, jacked up shoulders and lats. They're just kind of like sauntering side to side. You know, yeah. get out of my way. And that's where a lot of that persona probably comes from for the most part. Right? I had a lot of people when I worked at the one club, uh, always walking up to me and saying, "Hey, smile! Hey, smile! Hey, smile!" And it was it wasn't like I was unhappy, but I was like, "Well, I mean, I'm here to watch people." You know, I can't just stand here smiling all the time like guys smiling. You're 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 always on, on aware that something could break out or someone could be getting beat up or someone could get bottled in the head. Which we call everybody calls now resting bitch face, right? Like, yes, you know, exactly, around, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, uh, it was uh, some people just thought you were just not a happy person or arrogant. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so when it comes, like, you know, back to training, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit before the podcast, we might as well just, you know, throw it out there. You know, it was, it was training so hard, you know, just, like, eating and, you know, just, like, packing on all this weight and you're always thinking, okay, well, if I'm, like, you know, like, 180, it could be 200, if I'm 200, yeah. it be, like, 205. You know, like, when was the when was the transition between that where you're, like, I just know I can't do this naturally anymore. You know, I'm going to need a little help. You know, I trained like for 
I think the first five or six years of my life, I didn't do any drugs. Uh, I did one show um, without, and then I did uh, I did one cycle. My first cycle that I ever bought was 100 D ball and one bottle of testosterone 10 cc's so i did that i stretched it out what was the milligram strength on that test um i think it was 250 milligrams i don't even remember to be honest i know and that why that like was the that kind of like the were, only thing the around D-ball, yeah i had no idea i just had, i knew a guy and he was like hey man you, you got a pretty good build but if you if you try these you can you know really look good and i was like let's do it yeah so uh, the D-ball were five milligrams each, and the test, I don't remember what, what it was, but it was a testosterone and anthate, I believe, so it was probably 250 milligrams. So I did eight weeks. So we started off with one pill a day for a week. And how, what, what did you weigh at the start of that? Do you remember? I, I started off at, I think I was 180 pounds. When I started working out, I was probably about 160 so I was about 180 pounds, and I think I gained, I must have, I probably gained about 15 pounds around there. So I did a cycle, and then I trained clean for another year. How much weight, did, so the 15 pounds was the weight that you gained when you That's did That's what the- I gained, and but back then I wasn't tracking my weight so much. I wasn't oh. so worried about weight. I looked in a mirror. You know, and so we started off with, I guess I got to 185 and then I finished. So I did eight weeks and then I trained for a full year and I figured, well, to me, I look like, well, it looks like I'm back to where I started. So I bought another one. Same thing. Before we get there, like, like, how did you feel like after that first cycle, like, was it, we were like, yeah, I'm totally glad I did this. It was worth. Oh yeah, I, 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 oh yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was great to me. But back then, everyone was still in denial. Yeah. You know, so you weren't talking about it. You know, you didn't walk around telling people, hey, hey, guess what I'm doing. You know, people would say, oh man, your training must be going good. You're starting to grow, and you're like, oh, thanks, man. You know, you, yeah. Just and, eat lots, lots of steaks, bro. Well, you know what it was is everyone was saying. I remember people saying we t- they talked about certain people. Well, he's drinking egg whites. He's drinking eggs, uh, egg whites every day. So people would be like, oh, he's drinking it. You know, I, you know that's that's the key. Yeah. You train and eat lots, drink lots of egg whites, then you're going to grow. So everyone, w- everyone was in denial of, of themselves, but everyone was growing. <laughs> everyone was starting to, you know, we all started training for, for hockey or whatever reason. And then certain people would start to grow, then this guy would start to grow. And so we all kind of, ha- in the back of our minds, we knew, well, you know, Jimmy John and you know, so-and-so is growing and he's growing and Bill and Frank and, you know, Joe and everyone, but no one admitted it yet for the first few years. So for my first three years, I did, I did one cycle. I trained for a year clean. I did another cycle. I trained for a year clean. And then I said, well, I think if you really want to get big, you got to do two back to back. That was just my own theory. So then I went from two to back the to back. The justification, eh? Yeah. It's like, yep. Because I would look good for a while, but then you eventually you got to go back to normal because nothing is permanent. And you haven't been training long enough to build any mature muscle. Yeah. So none of it is real. So then you, uh, then the time goes by, then you're like, oh, I'm going to have to 
get on it again and you were know the I mean? first and second cycle the same or did you they were the same drugs same drugs yeah and my third one i remember i did a bottle of winstrol so that was one bottle per site for the cycle so my cycles were very small but that's what I, I would assume that's how everyone was doing it back then like i know it's different now when i talk to to guys who are like 25 or 22 where they're starting uh, the amounts that they're doing are like five or six intense, times yeah. compared to, you know. Even when you look at Arnold, like correct me if I'm wrong, if you you know something different than I do, but like when he openly talked about, it, like it wasn't he wasn't on that much gear. I think he was using Primabolin from what I had read, Primabolin and I think D ball. Yeah, like the, it, that's what I thought too. There's only the, yeah. two things I knew from reading like the you know the information he's put out there. Like one of them was D ball, and there's one. Other, you know, like, yeah. you know, um, he used know, the like printable, but don't yeah. forget back then they were, it was all pharmaceutical. Yeah. So for whatever reason, uh, the pharmaceutical drugs, maybe the transportation system into the body, uh, they were super powerful, you know? So if you're doing uh, a drug from the seventies or the eighties that are, that is pharmaceutical and you have the exact same drug now that is being made by a, an underground lab, it's the, it's, Technically, they are the same, but they're not really, for whatever reason, even if they have the same components in them, you know, the same molecules. For whatever reason, those drugs, like even in the beginning when I did something, I was like, my body was really responding, you know, and that doesn't always happen, you know. You know, it's even like one of those weird things where, you, you know, you, you buy a sandwich and it tastes great. And you're like, I'm going to make that ho at home since it's half the cost. And you make it at home. And you're like, does he come close to tasting <laughs> yeah, the same, right? There's yeah. just some things we can't explain. Yeah, I just, I just can't. I couldn't figure it out. But I know one thing for sure is those pharmaceutical drugs were much healthier because they were made in, you know, the labs that were making those drugs are billion-dollar labs. Yeah. You know, so they had all the high tech and uh, everything was pristine and clean. How did you feel about, um, you know, taking any of this stuff from an, an underground lab? Um, I never had any problems. I never had acne. Were you a little bit leery off the start? Like, you know, I know this isn't coming from like a far, pharmaceutical company. Like, you know, um, guy XYZ told me it's from an underground lab. Like, it seems kind of sketchy to me. No, you were just like. Not me. In. When I was young. Yeah. Caution to the wind. Yeah. It was like, you know, we're going to go hard. Whatever we do, we're going to, you know and uh, whatever happens happens and not, not the smartest theory yeah i would definitely not recommend that to anybody but we were we were like that with everything <laughs> you know if we're gonna drink we're not gonna have a casual drink we're gonna drink to get obliterated yeah you know and uh, once if we're once we're done beers okay well last time we drank beer we need to drink whiskey you know and you just drink and you drink and we were able to you know we when we went go to the beach when we were like 16 17 18 years old we were able to drink for two days solid without going to sleep. Like I couldn't imagine now drinking alcohol, like on a, starting at a Friday night at seven and drinking around until Saturday night at seven without going to bed. It would never happen. But when we were young, because we never used drugs in the beginning. Yeah. It was just all about alcohol and a good time. And we smoked a little bit of marijuana. Yeah. But it was mostly beer, beer or vodka or whiskey. You know, which was which was strange for me to go from that to a bodybuilding where, you know, alcohol is not part of your diet and you're not partying. So it was like, and plus when I was young, I smoked when I drank. So I was definitely not the poster child for, you know, uh, how to be fit, healthy and how to, you know, to look good or be in shape. 
Yeah, a lot of people were like that, though. I know a lot of people when I first, you know, about, I don't know, what, about 16, 17 years ago, when I kind of really got into, like, this industry, I was shocked how many people smoked. Yeah. I was just, like, I looked I around, I'm like, wow, I'm like, this is, this is crazy. Almost everyone in my group smoked. Yeah. You know, and, and I, and this is the, you know, like, the one thing, and, you know, I'm, I guess, you know, maybe, like, a byproduct of, you know, like, the, this podcast with you, or, you know, talking about it more is, you know, like back then too, you know, like it's like, it was all the, you know, the, the bodybuilders, you know, who smoked and trained and, you know, yeah. like Coke and trained and MDMA yeah. and trained. And it was like steroids. It was like this whole, like, and then it became like a party lifestyle. Yeah. Like you're a, a bodybuilder. You partied and you, yeah. know, you drank all the time yeah. and you were probably a bouncer. Then you're getting yes. fights and there's Absolutely. This, this image and this aura around that, like you get sucked into this environment where like. You know, you're training your ass off, you're working hard, you're competing on stage, but like all this other shit you get yeah. sucked into, you're like, what the hell? When I did my first contest, I had dieted for five weeks. So I stopped doing any alcohol. I didn't smoke. I did nothing. And I just trained and did the show. And then it was back to business with, uh, you know, with my buddies and having a good time and going to the beach and drinking and having a good time. And then I did another show a year later and it was the same thing alcohol and uh, cigarettes are out let's get serious and it was easy to just you know sh turn it off and because we only drank to have a good time you know there, there was no such thing as you know middle of the week having a drink you know what I mean stuff like that it was Friday night we're going to the beach or we're going to go to a club and we're going to drink 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 and then Saturday same thing and then you know Sunday you're hungover and Monday you're back to work and Monday, it was that's how it was for the first few years. Yeah, you know, maybe that's a, a part of it too. There's just so much um, like day drinking and like week drinking going on, you know, nowadays. You know, yeah. or you think like how many people come home at the end of the day now and just like have a drink? It's just standard, you know. Like just you would never not think about having that drink when you get home now. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it used to be like that or not, or you know, like the couple drinks. Like it, I, I never had, I never had alcohol in my place you know I never had so when people were coming over to visit there was no I couldn't offer them a beer um, there was no wine there was nothing like that I just had uh, diet drinks or water that was it you know and, and that's where we're going out and if we were going out on a Friday you go to the liquor store or the beer store you stock up on what you're gonna to drink and then you drink it all and then you're done and yeah it is interesting you know like we're you know, like just a part of like that routine where just you would never break it. It just was never anything different yeah. and how there's probably a lot of unintentional success, yeah. you know, behind that, you know, for you. Because it's a lot easier to turn something off when you only do it on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but it's a part of your everyday life. Yeah. Like, you know, smoking, for example, you know, people who smoke all the time, like yeah. every day, really hard to quit, you know, but the people who only smoke when they drink – they drink less. They just naturally eliminate smoking. You know, when I when I smoked, I only smoked when I was drinking, and then a, the, a point came in my life where I just said, "I'm I'm done with it." Like, uh, I mean, obviously all the the negative effects and stuff like that. And to now now when I see somebody, I mean, it's it's a lot more rare. But when you see someone and they're having a cigarette, you just think, "Man, you smoke!" Like people still smoke. Yeah, it's shocking to me. It's weird. I so I, I weird. get it in the '70s because you were smoking in the movies, you were smoking on the plane. It was very accepted, and they didn't know 
Yeah, so hospitals, they, post office, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, they didn't know what they know now or even 20 years ago, like, you know, the, the connection to cancer and all these other problems. So now if you're smoking, I'm just like, I mean, unless you're someone who is like 65 or 75 and has been smoking your whole life. But I see someone who's 25 years old, and I'm like, man, how did you get into smoking? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, it took, I find it super odd. I find it really odd, too, when you see it. But it, it seemed like a few years ago, there was this nice real golden point in time where, you know, like, I don't know whether the education or, like, the price of cigarettes or the, you know, people got ostracized. Like, you got to go over here in this yes. world. Like, I, like, I think <laughs> it was, like, a, maybe, like, a combination of all those where you kind of looked around and you're like, man, I, I legitimately think less people smoke. Because then when you'd see that one person – you're like, who are you? Like, I know. Like, don't, how do you? Don't you know what's up? going like, on out there? <laughs> yeah, you know. But now it's like vaping, right? Yeah, vaping and especially is really like big. these ones that because I didn't even know until like you know I guess relatively recently that you bought ones different to make the bigger clouds of smoke or something like that. Oh, right? I so because I can never understand why some people it's like this plume of smoke. You know, I probably have that wrong, and people are gonna be like, Blake, you're wrong again. But, um, <laughs> You know, but I was just like, but that's what I see now. I'm like, man, we're kind of going back. You know, we've just, we've yeah, changed the tool, but yeah, that's we're exactly kind of going it. back into it. And it, yeah. it's interesting. And, you know, like people might say one's better than the other, you know, this, that, and the next thing. And it's fine. But it's, I just mean like strictly like the visual appearance of it. Just seeing people starting to like adopt smoking something yeah. all over again. I know, I know, I it's know. It's interesting. You know, to me, it just seems like, um, you know, I can't even stand carrying like I got my wallet, I got my keys, I got my phone, some and I have a bottle of water and I'm like, you know, it's time for me to get to bring out the fanny pack again. Yeah. I couldn't imagine I'm sick of carrying that kind of stuff already. And those are necessities. And now I'm going to add a vape to me to where am I going to put like there's only four pockets on my pants. Hey, I just seen those sunglasses uh, on Facebook where like one side holds your weed on one side and the other arm turns into a pipe. So it's like, you know, you don't have to like hold it. It's just all there for you. But, it's a million dollar idea. Yeah. You know, but that's why I got my little, uh, my, my man purse or my European yeah, carry yeah, 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 so yeah. It's like I got my, my wallet, my keys, you know, like I got an extra diaper in there for one of my daughters. I got some wet ones. I'm like, I got all this stuff, but like the one thing when you're saying about, you know, like your keys and all that kind of stuff, like I remember back in the day when I used to smoke, you know, like putting your cigarette pack down the table with like your lighter on top yeah. or like kind of pushing <laughs> yeah. your matches into Yeah, exactly. I couldn't even fathom doing that now. I know. It was – times have surely changed. Like it's really when I look back and I see it the way uh, when we were young and used to party and go out or this, the things we carried around with us, like it's – to me, it's no wonder – uh, fanny packs were so popular. Yeah, mine you know, was mine was filled. Yeah, like mine was. I couldn't leave anywhere without mine. Yeah, you know, and I loved it. Yeah, and it's cool seeing fanny packs come back. I too, see you know, some like, guys yeah. they still wear. I'm like, oh, fanny pack. Eh? Yeah, they're bringing them back around. You yeah, know? it's cool. You know, they got some like nice warm leather ones. Yeah, you know? it's just like, yeah, it's, it's all cool. the different zippers on the back side. Well, you know, here's my back zipper. So I'm gonna, yeah, you know, if I smoked marijuana. Yeah, the back secret in the day, pocket, man. Secret in the back. pocket. Yeah, zip, zip. You got it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, but just kind of like like, <laughs> sorry, to dip back, kind of, you know, where we were talking about it. I'm just kind of interested to like see the progression, you know, when 
of like how you got to be like you know so big where you know then you said okay well now I'm gonna do two cycles back to back yeah you know and kind of just more dip into like that that mentality behind it because I just like, you know there's a lot of like you know young guys you know because you know, and this is not as like an encouragement to do it but just because you've been through the whole thing from start to yeah. finish like I just want people to like hear that story about how it got to that like the thoughts going on through your mind you know like the the justification of like okay well it was one a year now it's two back to back and you know the two back to my added an extra thing you know i think you said yeah. like withdrawal at first it was to have a jacked body and then after i had done a show or two and then i took time off i didn't do another show for like eight years and uh, I, I still train then i would do the odd cycle here and there usually you know come uh, springtime well, springtime is here. Maybe I should put on a little bit of size or get back in shape or whatever it was. So Jacked that would, up for summer. Yes, exactly. And then I started competing again. And then it was all about, well, I need if I'm going to compete and I want to win, I'm going to have to really get serious and put on more size. You know, this needs to be built. I got to bring up my legs or I got to bring up my back or I got to bring up my arms or whatever it is. And uh, it's just it, when you know that other people, it's all part of the game. You know, if you want to be successful, then you're going to have to do it unless you have crazy genetics, you know, and there, there is the odd person that could, that could pull it off. So, but few it's very few and far so between. Few, yeah. Yeah. It's like saying, I'm going to be LeBron James, you know, like it's yeah. like, yeah, but like you're talking like a phenom, Absolutely. like a superhuman yeah. and, being, and even right? And even when you take the drugs, that's not even a guarantee because that's just one piece of the puzzle. You still have to train like hard. You have to train smart. Uh, you know how you have to know how to eat. And know. I think that is a really big misconception. You know, like most people think like, oh, this guy, you know, like, you know, stuck this needle in his leg and now he's just big by default. Yeah. You know, but it's really, you know, not like. Well, that you know, I heard that all the time. Oh, if I did that, I would look just like this person. And I'm like, you don't even, you wouldn't even know what to do. You don't even. You know, the hardest part of trying to get big, like really get big, is the eating. Like that is the hardest part. It's like a full-time job. Feed the machine, you right? You have to eat and eat and you can't take your foot off the gas pedal. So let's say you get four days in a row and you're having eight meals a day. And these are good-sized meals and they're clean and... Uh, How many calories do you think that would be like in those eight meals? Well, for me, when I was growing... I was at 6,000 calories. For me, that was enough. And that was with food and with uh, protein drinks and a carb, a carb powder that I would add. So, and that was enough for me to grow. I could put on really good size at 5,000 calories for me. Um, right now, I'm at about 3,500. So, I'm not even close to that. So, de depending on the individual, I've heard of people who are eating 9,000 calories a day. You know, and some of the pros are eating more. I like I, I don't know how they can do that because this is not just about having nine thousand or eight thousand calories on a Monday, and then you you manage to get there again on a Wednesday or a Thursday. This is every day. You're not skipping meals. You cannot take your foot off the gas pedal. You got to eat and eat and eat, and there's no days off, and it's hard. And you think too, like just. You know, what I was saying when you are talking about that, if you eat 9,000 calories in a day, the amount of, like, hours spent, it's like, if you take, like, the average meal that might be, 
I don't know, 500 calories per se, yeah. 600 calories. You know, some people, like you're still like what, 15, 20, 25 minutes of like just like actual like you know chewing, cutting. You know, and eating. don't forget, back in the day, there was no meal prep companies, so you would spend a whole Sunday making the meals for your week. Your whole day was spent making food. You know, you're making it, you're putting it in containers, you're putting it in a fridge, you're marking down, you know, these meals are going to be for post-workout, this is my uh, going to be for before my workout, you'd probably have your breakfast you would make every morning, you know, depending on what your lifestyle was like, if you're working full-time, if you're working part-time, or if you're unemployed and collecting UI, if you were lucky enough. Um, so it's not just about, I'm going to make uh, 30 meals of beef and rice. You know, you're putting chicken, you're having some vegetables, you're having maybe potatoes for some, rice for others, different types of meats, it's uh, and fish. It's a lot of prep work. Yeah, you know. But and that's just like, prepping. And that's not the grocery shopping. The like grocery the shopping, cutting, yeah. You know, like I said, like the packaging in containers and all that kind of stuff, right? Like it just, yeah. that is like a full-time job on it. So which yeah. we know now because there's legitimately companies that do it for. Absolutely. People, right? And they're quite successful. You know, because now not only is... Well, nobody wants to cook anymore anything, right? You know, like whether they're well, we're a bodybuilder living. or not. Yeah. You know, it's like skip the dishes, bring Absolutely. it in. I don't even want Absolutely. to spend 20 I, minutes making I was just going to say, you don't have to be a bodybuilder. There's people who are just busy with life. Yeah. And they have two or three meals made, like sent to them. Enough so they have two or three meals each day. And then they make whatever else they're going to have. Maybe they're CrossFit. Maybe they're just lawyers who want to eat a healthy lifestyle and just, you know, exercise to stay in shape. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the bodybuilder who's trying to get big. Yeah, and, you know, and it's all those things that are interesting where, you know, like we take away from one category to be able to substitute that time into something else, whether it's working a little bit more or this, that. But, it's, you know, I find there's just still like a big social connection, you know, like around food. That's what other cultures have really oh, taught absolutely. me is like, you know, like this social connection behind, you know, like, like food because, you know, like I was just brought up in an environment where somebody is like, hey, do you want something to eat? Like in my, my mind still today is like that's a two-hour time investment. Yeah, I know. But in a lot of other cultures in the world, it's like, no, no, no. Like like literally just eat something and leave. You know, like yeah. I just want to know that I've helped put food in your belly yeah, before you walk yeah. out this door because it makes me happy. Now, it, now it's like, hey, man, uh, hey, Blake, we're going to go for lunch. You want to come with us? Yeah, okay. You know you're not going to order food, eat, and then okay, see you guys. You're there to talk. Yeah, and you're gonna have some food in between to bring everyone together to tie it all together, and that could be two hours. Yeah, you know sometimes it's an hour before you even order your food because yeah. you're talking and the waitress is like, you know what you want, and we're like, we haven't even looked at the menu yet. Yeah, see, and a lot of that time used to be like at home too, right? You know, we're like, we're you'd be making it like that, and you'd still you know bullshit with your buddies, yeah. you know, like all that, you know, or like you know like groups of people would get together and you just like have yeah. like that experience and. Yeah, I find that, you know, to be one of those things that we really get lost in now, you know, like with, you know, the accessibility of going out for lunch or these, you know, food services companies and, you know, places like Skip the Dishes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, where the, you know, think of like the connection that you had with the food that you were eating, you know, when you were doing all that meal prep, you know, like you knew that steak, you knew that chicken, you knew that rice, you knew those potatoes, like, you know, like Absolutely. it wasn't so generic, like you knew what was going in yeah. your body, although it might have been super repetitive and an intense amount but like oh, you well, knew yeah. like every ingredient that you put in there you, you went and it. bought it you know yeah. you got you brought it home and yeah and and if you were you know when i was younger and we were bodybuilding i didn't add salt to anything yeah you know uh for some reason i think someone told me uh 
don't add salt to your food. Yeah. Because you're going to blow up yeah, water. Yeah, water. And so I was like, okay. So everything was very, very bland. You know what I mean? And then you start reading more stuff. You're like, wow, you know, sodium. It's really important. <laughs> I better yeah. start adding yeah. sodium to my diet. And then you notice, wow, I'm, I'm not even getting blown up like everyone told me I was going to, you know. You know, I think, you know, the, the sodium thing just got a bad rep because we started eating everything that had more sodium in one thing yeah. than you should have in like a week. So then when you, we talk about like not eating, you know, you're not putting salt on food. It's because we're getting so much salt in for so many Especially other from all reasons. the processed and anyone who goes out for fast food, you're getting 1,200 or 1,400 milligrams of sodium in yeah, a it's burger. Yeah, insane. Insane. You know, it's insane. Then you're going to go home and you're going to have, uh, you know, say a steak with potatoes and you're going to add more sodium to, you know, the potatoes after you've already had. Yeah, and then, you know, like that's where the, the high blood pressure yeah, starts absolutely. to kick in and all that. Yeah. And that's where salt gets a bad rap because, you know, it's like salt and sugar, those two things are just rampant in like everything. Like you just can't escape it. Now, and right? we weren't drinking water. Yeah. Like no one told me when I was young, drink as much water as you can. Drink lots of water because it flushes stuff out. You know, it's a, your body is 75% water. Drink it. It's very good for you. I had water. When I was growing up, and even when, in my first years uh, in training, I was guzzling milk, like by the, the by the cartons, just guzzling, guzzling, guzzling milk. Anything I had was milk or chocolate milk. I very seldom had water. You know, you know one of my things growing up with that I used to love the most was um, like homo milk when I eat pizza. And oh, I yeah, look at yeah. that now, and I'm just like, whoa. You I know, know. Like, that's just so intense for me to yeah. think about now. Just like, it'd be glass after glass. You know, you have a couple bites, you'd be chewing, and you'd swill back <laughs> some of that whole milk. And it's just like, yeah. the inflammation going on in my body just must have been just absurd. Oh, I, I, right? I was a huge fan of chocolate milk. Yeah. I was just like, oh, chocolate milk. Look at, I'd re- look at the back, and I'd read, like, you know, 12 grams of protein per 500 mils or whatever it was. And I would just, okay, so if I drink this whole thing, I'm getting 40 grams of protein. I'd pound yeah. it back, and you're drinking two liters of chocolate milk a day. And I was more just, like, the big, like, the nice fancy rabbit bottle of the Nesquik. And I remember, yeah. like, you'd sit there, and you'd be just, like, swirling it around <laughs> on the top. you just watching that yeah. shit collect on the bottom. You're just, know, like, nod just a little bit yeah, more, I just know, a little yeah. bit more. Then you'd, like, get that spoon going in there yeah, and, like, mix up. Absolutely. And then you'd drink it, and then you'd be like, damn, there's still half that left in the bottom of the I glass. know. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's amazing how the culture has changed. Yeah. You know, from uh, 25 years ago or 30 to, to where we are at now. Yeah. You know, now, and I, I'm nothing against the dairy industry at, at all, but I know, we know now that, you know, too much dairy causes inflammation in the gut. Well, and even the pasteurization process, like, that's one of the biggest problems, you know, with dairy products is just that, you know, being superheated and killing all that bacteria, yeah. like, this is what, why we know why we have such a hard time breaking these yeah. products down is Plus because... So- all the Taking hormones, all the tools, all the, yeah, all the and all the hormones that are yeah. added. Yeah, you know, it's just like uh, in my house now, the only thing I have is water, water, and I'm a huge fiend. I just drink. I boil tea every day, a big, huge pot, and I'm either drinking a liter and a half of chamomile or hawthorn or green tea every day. You know, and uh, just because uh, water every day is, uh, you know, you're drinking three or four liters of water every day after a while. Even though I put lime or lemon in it too, you know. Yeah, that's why, like, I make my own uh, kombucha at home with the girls and stuff too because – Kombucha too, yeah. Yeah, I look at it, you know, I'm like, they're going to want to have something that's, you know, kind of like a, a juice. And 
you know flavor you know just yeah like you said like flavor to it and i'm just like you know they all love they have their own flavors of kombucha that they like and you know now they kind of know what it is they might not know the reason why they're drinking but they'll grow up like knowing like this is kind of like what juice was for yeah. me but they're getting all the health benefits and of it too they, you get used to the flavor yeah so you like it you know what I mean? Especially when you're young, you're just like, you don't care about the benefits. You're drinking, oh, this tastes Guzzle good. Back. Tastes good. It tastes good. And then one day, you you know, someone talks about uh, kombucha and you're like, oh, I drink that every day. Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. Well, that stuff's so good for you. Oh, I had no idea. We have it at home and the family drinks it. And I'm, I find with my kids too, like knowing, especially my oldest, when she hears people talking about drinking kombucha, then she's like, oh, I drink. That makes her feel like she's doing a big girl thing. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like she owns it. And she wants to do it more. She's like, yeah, these adults are talking about drinking kombucha and I drink kombucha. And yeah. it's like, yeah, this is, this is my thing now. So yeah, yeah, I like that for sure. Yeah. Things have changed. And you know, back to bodybuilding, I remember there were a few times, but I, I knew a few fellow bodybuilders who they would put one or two cans of tuna in a in a blender and fill it with water, and that was one of their meals. Oh, yeah, I, I tried did, that with chicken I, and rice I had it a couple times. Time. It's horrible. disgusting. Yeah, like it you just know. like one. I remember it's yeah, chicken, rice, and vegetables, and I, I tried it one time. It like literally probably the most rancid, yeah. disgusting thing I've ever. Put and in the mouth. texture too is like for me, I have massive issue with the texture of something that's going in my mouth. Yeah. You know, I just, and if right away, like that's one of the reasons I can't eat onions is because as soon as I feel it in my mouth, uh, I, I can't stand it. You know, it's like, especially with those kind of things where it's like thick and chunky. I know. You know, where like it hits, it's like a glob in your mouth. And also <laughs> you get like this weird chunk I'll of spit it out. I'll spit like, it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll spit it out for sure. I don't have, I don't have uh, the goat stomach. Like I know some people, they can eat anything. Yeah. You know, and they can hold it down. There might be a few things I could probably force down, but it's going to come right back up. No, oh, and it doesn't know? even need to be that anymore, though. I know. Well, like, no, absolutely. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. like where there's, and I know a lot of people kind of get stuck in that it still kind of needs to be like that. And I'm like, no, not anymore. Like, you know, you don't need to be choking stuff down. And, yeah. you know, like, you know, like I choke stuff down, like, you know, warm, you know, turmeric water. But I think that's yeah, just a little yeah, different yeah. of a story yeah, there. No, I know. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and and not just that, but it's uh, the even the, the diets have changed. Like you don't, there's you don't have to suffer anymore. You know, like yeah, suffering was like the rite of passage in the bodybuilding industry. Yeah, eh? like yeah. the the hardcore diet suffering. And yeah, then like the you know, like the um, you know, like the blowing up after you know, like the back to the wine gums, the donuts, and the pizza. Like that suffering. It was just I, that you couldn't wait for somebody else to have to go through that. When too. I did uh, the 2001 uh, BC Provincial Championships, I was at that show. I was uh, 197 pounds at the weigh-ins, and I was about 200 pounds on stage. And when the show ended. By, and that was Saturday, so by Thursday, I was 250 pounds. That's intense. I ate everything, and I was sick, and I ate, and sick, and I ate. And I, I called in sick for work. I remember looking in the mirror, waking up, and my head was so massively retented that, and I was used to seeing myself really lean, you know, and your cheekbones are poking out and your like jawline is super sharp and you just feel, you're like, wow, I look amazing. Yeah. And then in such a fast turnaround and I looked in the mirror and I was like, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to be seen in public. And I worked a peer later at the time 
and my route was Metro Town. So I was going to all the stores and there was no way I was going to be out in public like that. Like uh, I, went, I remember going to the doctor and telling him I needed to get some diuretics. And he was like, what do you need diuretics for? And I said, well, I just did a bodybuilding show a few days ago and, you know, I'm rebounding. And he was like, I don't understand. I said, well, I've eaten lots of foods and now I'm holding tons and tons of water. So I wanted to pass it through and it's not moving. So I think he gave me two pills and I was like, this is not going to do much, but I didn't care. I just wanted to get the water going. And I called in sick for the first two days. I was like, I'm not coming in until this water starts leaving yeah. my body. And it was painful. My ankles were so swollen that I remember wearing a pair of socks. And when I took the socks off, you can see a mass, like the, the foot was small. And then above the sock, the calf and uh, the, the shin was just swollen. The middle of those cankles going. Oh, it was unhealthy, yeah. and I can imagine what it what it was. All the extra work on my heart. Oh, and you everything. Know? You know, like the the knees. You know, yeah. like the like everything. Like the kidneys yeah. just taking a pounding. And yeah. you know, like, there's a lot of people who walk around like that, like every day, like by choice. I think there's nothing really. I wrong know. With that, I knew right? right away, and 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 I knew that that'll be the last time it happens. And then I started looking into. Uh, now they call it reverse dieting. But back then, we just I just call it reverse dieting. I just said, okay, well, we're going to add the foods back into my one day of eating whatever and then add the foods back into my system over a span of two weeks nice and slowly. So Why do you think it took so long for that concept to come around you? Because you're talking right now 16, 18 years ago. And like yeah. you still talk to people now who are training people for shows, and it's like, you don't what? I know. You know, like – what planet do you live on where you're yeah. not trying to coach people you know, coming back out of like that dieting yeah. phase? Well, I put all the blame on the coaches. Yeah. Because someone who is coming up and they're doing their first, uh, maybe you're a girl doing a bikini show or you're a guy doing physique or bodybuilding or a girl doing bodybuilding and it's your first show, you have no idea. More than likely, you're probably doing a show because the year before you were watching the show that one of your girlfriends was in or one of your buddies did. So you're like, I'm going to do a show because, you know, she looked so good. But they don't know all the effort that goes in before that. And they certainly don't know anything about when the show is over and you start eating, you know, because you're, you've been, you feel like you've been starving yourself because you haven't dieted before. So now you're going out for pizza after the show. You're going to get up in the morning. You're having bran muffins or you're having donuts or whatever it is, and you gain 10 or 15 pounds. I've seen girls that two weeks after a show, and I didn't even recognize them. You know, and that is the, you know, how many people end up looking so much worse after a show in the way they yeah. did ever going into it. You know, and then they're dealing with all those issues after Hormonal the Hormonal problems. Like rampant, you know, before, but yeah. I see it so much more, you know, now, like it, it was. It was always something a lot of people talked about, especially for women, how they'd end up looking so much worse after they ever Absolutely. did a show. And that's what forced them to do another show again and then the same cycle would repeat itself. But like, the, I, I really feel like because this bikini category has become so big and now I'm here like, you're encouraging your clients to take, you know, like steroids oh, yeah. for a bikini show. Yeah, you know, it's uh, like the, the, like the, you're talking like in the industry, the least amount of possible work yeah. possible to go stand on a stage is bikini. 
Absolutely. Like, the least Absolutely. Like, I'm not trying to take away that it's hard work for those individuals to get there, but if you're only analyzing the different categories, yeah, you know, at a show, it is the least amount of work in all the different categories. Yeah, uh, and and you're not getting, you're not taking your body to the extreme of cutting all that extra body fat. You know what I mean? So it's um, and, and then like, why do why do gear to get there? You know, like it's not it's not a, that much of an adverse road to travel. Yeah. Like there's not that much of a, a road a rite of passage to be able to get there. You know, like yeah, like the, the, there's components that are tough. Like there's restrictions. There's there's training. There's changing the way that you eat. But again, it's not that crazy. You know, to suggest no. that somebody be on you know like steroid xyz to be able to get to that you know bikini stage and then have to deal with all the mental health issues after yeah. the body image issues after i think that for a lot of the girls that are first coming up and doing their first show they don't really know too yeah. much about the sport a lot of them so when uh, you find yourself a coach and you start training and the coach says okay well uh do you want to try this particular drug and the girl really has no information, and she just is told, like, a lot of girls do this, you know. You, you just jump on and do it because you don't really know anything about the sport to begin with. Yeah, they talk know? to, like, other people being trained by that Yeah, and, and everyone like is other, doing yeah. something, it seems like. So if everyone's doing it and you don't have any – and you haven't researched it, you're probably going to do it too, you know. And that is you – know, I feel like there's, there's definitely some steroids that, you know – they carry a pretty big, you know, like generic, um, you know, like onset from like, you know, most people like we're like a trainer, a coach will just be like, oh, it's just Winstrol. Like they almost yeah, talk about I it know. where it's like this protein powder that you buy or, you know, like this chicken breast you're going to yeah. get. Like it's just, oh, this, this Winstrol that you're going to do, you know, yeah. like, oh, at, you know, week X, Y, Z, you know, like you're just going to start taking like this gear and it's yeah. like, so it becomes like just generic information. It's something that you just do not saying like, Hey, you know, like. I think that you should make a, a better, more well-formed decision. This is actually what this is. You know, like, do you want to walk Exactly. That that's way? exactly it. You need to be proactive. It's like anything. So, uh, I mean, nowadays, um, uh, these kind of drugs, they're in all sports, performance-enhancing drugs. They're in, in everything. And that, that, to me, is the most frustrating part when people – attack athletes have been like oh he got busted for taking this gear i'm like every fucking athlete i know you like know. where do you live that you don't think that in the nba the nhl like the nfl anything biking and the everything, Olympics, everything you know these are people that are they have chosen to try and make this their career so if you're already let's say once you get if you were to have a chance of making it and you know everyone on the team or everyone in the league or well let's not say everyone but let's say a majority of the people are using a specific drug to help them you're going to be of the mindset to do it you know especially if you're in a drug or in a sport where there's no testing yeah you know and i know that i would if i was young if someone told me and i was really good at a sport and i was you know just so close to making it and they said you know if you tried this you could probably do it because you're very talented and you train really hard but this is the missing component you know so you're kind of at a disadvantage because a lot of these guys are doing this i would do it for sure there's i wouldn't even think twice about it but that's just my mentality you know but it, like it, it is funny you said it because you know i've i've told this story probably even on the podcast where i might even have told it with us when you and i were together about how you know, like my high school football coach, you know, he sat all the guys that were going to go on to college in the States to play football. And he was just like, 
if you are going to go, there's a difference between them recognizing you now and you actually playing on the team, and it's, it's these steroids right here. Yeah. You know, like, you're going to have to start taking them now. You know, like, this is your grade 12 year. You're going to have to train all season. You have to play on this gear and get adjusted to it. And then when you go down and play at College and States, then you'll have some kind of chance. Yeah. But if you're not going to do it, like, it sounds good. You can tell your friends. You can tell your family. you got this recognition. But you're going to go down there, and you're most likely going to get nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is just – so if you want to do that, this is what you're going to have to do. And he was honest about it. Absolutely. Yeah, and that was Absolutely. 20 years ago. And, you know, there's a there's a very big difference between using a specific uh, anabolic or, or performance-enhancing drug and abusing it. Yeah. Oh, You know, it's a, the difference in dangers is astronomical. Yeah. You know, I, I myself know, I don't even know how many people in all walks of life that have used it once or twice or for 10 years or for 20 years. And all the people that I know, they have never had any serious illness from these particular drugs. Not saying it doesn't happen, you know, but uh, anything can happen. But if you're going to abuse something, the chances are, are greatly increased. You know, and it, that, that's just like the general walk of life, right? You know, like if you, you know... You can eat some cake every once in a while, and if you don't abuse it, it's like it's it might be bad, but it's not that bad. You know, Advil. Like, yeah, Advil. You know, if you're looking at like you know even like water, for example, if you're just if you're drinking too much water, you're gonna flush out your water soluble vitamins. Like that's that's just par for the course. Yeah. But you know, again, it's like this this stigma behind steroids that you know people have that you know it's gonna change. You're gonna be this roid monkey. You're gonna start roid raging. Like just yeah. all these stigmas that come along with it. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I know a lot of athletes that, you know, like, take, like, just, you know, like, kind of what maybe the new age coin term is, like, you know, microdosing or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, like, they're totally fine. You know, like, look how many people even do it legally, like, just going to the doctor and getting, like, TRT, you know, and, you know, getting that testosterone replacement therapy, like, from a doctor. Why why is it different if you're going to a doctor versus if you just do it at home? You know, absolutely. And, you know... Uh, the, the topic of, of, of steroids is so fascinating for people because it's so contradictory. And, you know, if, if you compare anabolics to other drugs, whether it be marijuana or any other social drug, um, ecstasy or cocaine or whatever it is, steroids are the only drug. Now, this is going to sound kind of weird, but it's the only drug that can turn a loser into a winner. Yeah. By that I mean, let's say you're in college or, or you're in high school, grade 12 or whatever it is, and you're just a skinny guy and got no friends and no confidence, and you took some juice, some steroids over the summer, and you gained 10 or 15 pounds of muscle, and you came back to school or college next year, and you were big and muscular and had an air of confidence about you. You would be more accepted, and people would be more willing to hang around with you. Sadly, that's the true fact. You know what? You, you know, know more guys want to hang around with you. More girls want to sleep with you. Your your yeah. college professors are probably like unintentionally giving you slightly better grades. You know, like it's just, just weird that all way. those kind of things. It's yeah, weird. It, it, going to a party and drinking lots of booze and doing tons of cocaine. If you're a loser, you're not. No one's gonna look and go, "Wow, that guy's so cool. He's such a winner." You know, but if you are all of a sudden so amazing, you know, at at the sport you're playing for your school, people start to love you. It's 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 becomes acceptable you know and that's the one thing about being jack too because you know 
to be like a winner in sports, like you got to score goals or you got to like hit people hard yeah. or touchdowns or you know passes, like any of these. But when it comes to like being a jacked guy, like the first thing that people think is like, oh, he probably can bench five hundred. You know, you might bench a hundred yeah. pounds. Like I'm just I saying, know, like, I know, I like you don't really know. Like you just you look big, so like you you artificially become like this human being yeah, that you absolutely. might not even, like. And it's not like you have to have like this skill or the performance that even goes on with the look. It's like putting on a jersey and people are like, oh, that guy scores a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but like bodybuilding is like that. Yeah. And, but with that being said, um, a dick is always going to be a dick. Absolutely. It don't matter how big you are. If you're a dickhead or an idiot or an asshole, it's not going to matter what you look like or how shredded you are or how jacked you are. You're still going to be that same old asshole. You know what I mean? So it's not always, you know, it, there's a slippery slope Yeah. for uh, the individual, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it play on personality, right? It's like the people who are dicks when they're drinking. Yeah. You know, like all that guy. It just kind of brings out, fosters yeah. that natural part of their oh, personality. Oh, I can't drink right? uh, Crown Royal because it makes me an asshole. You probably are an asshole. That's yeah. why. Yeah, you just don't have, like, the edge to be able to, like, harness that yeah. beast inside you, know, you. I'm the type of person that... It never mattered what I drank. I always thought that I was the life of the party yeah. when I was younger. You know, that, 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 that's what I thought anyway. You no, know, but you're like the life of walking down the street, <laughs> you though. Know. You just have like that energy to you. And, you know, that's what, you know, people obviously connect with it here, like on the podcast. And I connected it when yeah. you came in with Veronica. It's like you have that air to you, though. And it's yeah. easy. That's why, you know, we ain't coming down here and we can, you know, bullshit for a couple hours yeah. and it seemed like five minutes because. It's just easy and got that flow. And that's what, you know, I tell you and I try to tell every guy. It's like, you know what, man? I'm like, I'm not that guy. You know, I'm like, yeah. I don't smoke cigars. I don't drive a jacked up truck. Yeah. You know, I'm like, you know, I just, I'm not that guy. So yeah. it's like, you know, if you can't give me a hug when you get here, it's like we're, yeah. we're probably not going to be able to sit and talk yeah. either. No, you know? absolutely. Like, you know, I, I've always thought that um, a life lived uh, has no meaning unless you have reached or touched other people in your life. And sometimes it's just as e it, the easiest thing is if you're at a party and you're talking to someone and you're just making five or six people laugh with uh, doing whatever you do. Maybe you're being goofy. Uh, maybe you're doing impersonations of wrestlers or you, maybe you have a great voice and you start singing a song and everyone's like, wow, this guy's so cool, man. It's a great party, whatever it is, you know, or just doing things outside of a party atmosphere. Yeah. You know, when you touch people and you affect their lives, to me, that's really what living is all about. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I could agree more, and that's one of the most beneficial parts of you know my day is just being around so many people and you know a, a like-minded environment, and then you know like a closed door environment. Like yeah. it just, it's very, it's very intriguing to me, and you know very soul refreshing. Yeah, like, absolutely. At the end of the day, just having like all these great experiences with people like all yeah. day long. Yeah, you know, like this, this would legitimately be one of them, and you know before this. You know, I had like the first ever edition of like Next Generation We Are I. You know, like all these like fourteen year old kids were in here. There's like yeah. four hockey players and you know two soccer yeah, players. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it was cool because these are all the. You know, I'm trying to like probe them and get them to talk. You know, that they're kind of shy. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. they're giggling behind the mics. And I'm just like, <laughs> but I'm like, these were all like us. You know, like I remember, you know, being yeah. like, you know, like these young like you know mid teenage kids playing sports and yeah. Yeah, I, no, for sure. When when I was growing up, we had um. There was uh, six of us that uh, that hung out all the time. We played hockey together. We went to school together. We went to the beach together. Uh, the weekends we spent together, we liked the same music. We all always hung out and did things together. And we all had pretty different personalities. But everyone had tons of energy. 
and everyone was a lot of fun. It was it was really cool when you have friendships like that. You know, when you were going, okay, well, Jimmy John's getting married, so you know we're all going to the wedding social. Yeah, you knew it was going to be a good time. You know what I mean? Because yeah. everyone was willing willing to go and have a good time, and just the energy from the group. You know, because you, you can feed off of it. And, you know, at that point, too, you know, like where everybody spends so much time together, you've been through all the ups and downs. Yeah. Like, you know who people are. You know how they're going to act. And, you know, there was, you know, back like when, you know, we were growing up, and I just feel like there was, there's less phoniness. You know, like you yeah. were just, you were just that person. Like you weren't trying to, you know, put filters on your phone. Yeah. You, like, you didn't have to be on all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. You were just who you were. And, and, and that was who you were accepted as, you know, this person was really funny. This person was maybe really, was really, uh, was really smart. You know, this person was great at this sport or, you know, you had a little bit of a camaraderie, uh, in between, between a couple of the guys with who, who could, who could drink more, you know, who was stronger, you know, who's, who's uh, you know been with more girls or who could date more girls or who can wheel the girl in a club or whatever it was yeah. you know so you had a friendly competition which which is always fun when you're 15 16 17 absolutely kid, you know yeah it's just even now when i get people it's like hey you know send me a like a picture and you're like you know like what are we working towards like just so i get an idea in my mind you're know, like what kind of what kind of body are you looking for you know like what are we yeah what are we trying to achieve you know, I get these pictures back that are, you know, they have filters on them. And, oh, you know, like, yeah, I'm just yeah. like, that's not even a real human being. Like, I, yeah, like, I know. How can, how can you say, like, this is where you want to go when this is, like, like AI filters on this person changing their body structure and yeah. the way their skin tone is and all these kind of things? Like, you can't achieve that. I, like, it, it's yeah. not real. I've had, I've had people that I had trained. And they would bring me a picture of someone they'd cut out of a magazine, whoever it could be. I want to look like this guy. Can you make it happen? And I'm like, no. Like, this guy has probably been training for 25, 30 years. That and he doesn't look like that all the time, probably. Yeah, either, this know, is like, a picture just... from a magazine, from a photo, you know, from a from a photo shoot. Yeah. You know, and this guy is like, um, you know, five foot, five foot four. Yeah. And you're like six feet. You, it's, you know, you can't, why don't you try to look the best that you can look for your build? You can't try to emulate, you can try to emulate, but you can't look like someone else. It's just not going to work. Yeah, and I think that's like a big part of it too, is that a, a lot of people look at these like magazines and these photos, you know, it might be like a slightly different now because so many candid photos are being taken. But in all these magazines, like these are like post show people. And they yeah. bank these photos, and shows are going on all the time, yeah. like all year round. And they have like an archive of all these photos. Like they don't walk around every single no. day looking like that. No, like no. you know, like post show within that first like week, like everybody's like, come on, come on, pictures, pictures, pictures. Yeah, commercials, or, or the this week going that, into and, the show even. Yeah. You know, they have like a two week time period where they're in tip top shape, and they have all the photo, all the photo shoots taken, and then they're done. Yeah. You know, very few guys are going to look like that all the time. Or they know they got a shoot coming up in a month and a half, and they start preparing for it so that they look really good for the shoot. So this would probably be a good segue to, to talk a little, little bit of stuff with uh, with your body where you've taken it, you know, with all the commercials and stuff. Like, ha like have you done photo shoots? You've been in magazines? I know, I know you've been on some commercials. Why don't you drop it in for everybody? Because you've um, built this awesome body over all these years. And, you know, all these people, like, obviously they, they could tell by the posts or pictures I posted on, on social media and stuff. But, um, like, like, what have you used? Like, how have you used this body to your advantage? Well, 
Um, I, it's, it sounds so weird talking about it when it's like, like you know, your body. But um, it's the first thing I had done when I was working in the clubs is we were having a contest. It was called the Something Hot Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so I every Friday there would be like seven guys. You'd get on the runway. You'd have like regular clothes. And then you'd go in like a summer kind of tank top kind of thing and you'd walk the tea. And There's no women there though, right? The women were in the bar. Yeah. But I'm just buying this. There was no women sure, on stage. I'm sure it was packed with ladies. Oh, yeah. Guys, so, yeah. Well, we made sure it was on a Friday so they're, they're, the bar was full. So we would do that and then and then they would pick the top two from every Friday. And then at the end, they'd have another one. At the very end, they'd take all the, 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 the top two and then pick one for each month. So that was the first time I did it. So I remember we had to do walk the stage and there was the music was blasting and the announcer was like, all right, everybody coming up next is going to be Chuck Stracey. You know, he works at the bank and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and uh, the bank was the name of the club that I worked at. And I remember coming out. So I had about probably seven or eight shots before I hit the stage. Did you need it for a little call? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I did that. I walked out, and I remember walking to, on the stage, and I didn't really know what I should do. So I grabbed my shirt and I ripped it off of my body, <laughs> and I started uh, jumping around like a wrestler or whatnot. And at the and then so the winners would have to keep doing it. So at the end, uh, we did a photo shoot for the calendar, and that was the first time I had done anything. That was someone else taking a picture of me. And then when I was moved, that weird though, like the first time, like we're like the true vanity of everything. Yeah, it was like, very, very, you know, it was very strange, but I'll tell you something back then I had very long hair and I had a, like a goatee, a goat and my hair was a light kind of dirty blonde color. And I had tons of people telling me the, the movie legends of the fall had just come out. Yeah. And I had this one time I was at the, a club and someone said, you know, what you look like. And I thought, Jesus, because I had these long sideburns and yeah. this scruffy and long hair. She's like, no, you look like Brad Pitt. And I was like, oh, that's probably pretty easy to get her phone number after that. Well, eh? I was probably by then I was probably so tanked that, I didn't, yeah. you know, my, my, my nightclub scenes was all about the party. Yeah. So then the photographer, when I was getting my photo shot, uh, my photo was taken for the calendar. He said the same thing. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to see this movie. You know what I mean? Because I, I you know, I didn't, I had no idea. And uh, I didn't get a big head or anything over that because when I looked at it, I thought, I don't look like Brad Pitt. Like to me at that time, especially, he was like really, you know, he was very popular and he was a good looking dude and he looked super cool. But I did have the hair. That was something. And then, uh, so that was the first photo shoot I had done where someone was taking photos of me uh, professionally. And then I didn't do anything until I did a couple commercials. I did a commercial. We were at we were at Grand Beach, and they were filming stuff for the beach for a, like a summer kind of commercial with clips for Allsport. So Allsport was a uh, a drink like Gatorade back then. Oh it man, was, I was I was trying to think what you said. I'm like, where do I remember yeah, this it was, Yeah, but so now that you say that, I kind of remember. I almost can see the label in my mind. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did. A, I was walking on the on the boardwalk, 
And one of the guys said, hey, come here. And I, so I walked over with my buddy and he goes, what's up? He goes, you want to, we're going to film you. We want to be in this commercial we're going to do. I said, fantastic. What do you want me to do? They said, well, here's a bottle of Allsport. Say a couple words about it and then have a sip. No problem. So I started blathering on. Um, I, don't, I can't remember what I said, but I was doing like, um, like a macho man imitation kind of thing. And then I started guzzling back the bottle. And there was tons of people around, and then people started chanting, chanting. So it was a huge bottle. It was like almost two liters. So I figured, oh, yeah. okay, well, I'm just going to drink this whole bottle yeah. right here. There's a testosterone kicker. Exactly. Like, I hear a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I pounded back the whole bottle. And then when I finished the bottle, I looked at the camera, and I said, like, oh, yeah, I'll sport the drink of champions or something silly. And then, so that that was the commercial for that. And then, what a wicked organic transaction for them as a company, though. They eh? were like just this yeah. unintentional scene arises, and it sounds like it's just like the perfect. And you know what? It happened to me once again. There was a huge festival in Manitoba. It was called Sunfest. So it was a summer festival, and it was really massive. Pearl Jam was there, and all tons of Canadian bands. And there was a VIP section, and I was there with my friend, and uh, we were drinking and having a good time. And one of the one of the guys who was filming said, "Hey, you want to come and say a few words about the festival?" So the same thing. I started talking, and I was already half in the bag, and I was rambling on about something. And then I started. I, I raised my hand in the air, and I was like, "Oh, guns in the sky!" Or, uh, well, you know, I was doing a double bicep pose. I can't remember what it was, but it came off as super, super funny. Yeah. So they kept it in for the advertisement, just a small clip for the for the advertisement of the festival for the other remaining years. And then I moved to Vancouver shortly after, and I decided I, I, my my idea of moving to Vancouver was to purposely get into acting. So I ended up doing some commercials. And every commercial that I, I did like a Toyota commercial at first, and I did one for Pert Plus. It was a bodybuilding commercial, oh, actually. Oh, Pert Plus. Yep. Pert Plus, yeah. I've never seen those commercials. The, the tag like was Pert Plus, uh, this shampoo has body, or something oh, like that. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So I did that one. The other one. thing used to be like the best a man can get. What no, one no, was that, that was Gillette. Um, that was Gillette. That's Gillette. Yeah, yeah. So then I did that commercial, and then I started getting calls for uh, – I got a call for an Auto Trader commercial. And after that one, every I got about seven commercials in a row. I did an Auto Trader. I did a Del Taco commercial. Um, I did a Frank's Red Hot commercial, Sweet. which was really popular. It was on like 20 times a day. Really? I would be at Safeway and, you know, getting my groceries and the guy's like, oh, no, Frank's Red Hot for you. <laughs> and it was funny because I said, oh, no, no, no. And he goes, actually, there's a commercial. Out, the guy looks just like you. And I said, well, it, yeah, that's me in the yeah. commercial. And he goes, no, no, no. The guy's got bigger shoulders than you do. <laughs> so He's more jacked than took, you. <laughs> it took me a, a little bit of convincing, but he yeah. finally started believing that it was me. Yeah. So every, up the sleeve, you're like, see this Frank's Red Hot yeah, Sauce tattoo I got? Yeah, I'm yeah, committed, exactly. baby. I'm committed. Yeah, I'm committed for sure. So uh, I did the commercials, and I was on a roll for a while. So I got like seven in a row. And But I always wanted to do like TV or film. 
but I just never could, you know, I, uh, the, the commercials, everything I did was for a bodybuilder. Yeah. Which was fine. I enjoyed it. And uh, the money in commercials is really, really good. But uh, ultimately, I wanted to move forward. But I just, you know, for whatever reason, I never got any calls for any parts, for whatnot. And I still do the odd commercial. But it's, it's been a while. It's been about a year since I've done anything. But it seems like that, you know, because, you know, you wanted to be a broadcaster, you know, like actor, do these, uh, like, TV commercials, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Like, it obviously speaks to you. Like, it's, yeah. it's a part of your calling for yeah. sure, right? I have, um, there's a, a company in Vancouver called uh, Mutant. Yeah. So it's a, it's a homegrown company here. And they've had me, I know a few of the guys that are with Mutant, and they've called me on three different occasions to come do commercials with them. Uh, for their for their internet uh, stuff, and they're a pretty big company. Yeah, now, they're right? big. Yeah. But the guys are super cool that I've worked with, and uh, they're all funny and laid back. And uh, the commercials uh, are well written. They're pretty funny stuff. Like they're really, I enjoy watching them. And and I don't like seeing myself on commercials. I only watch, but these ones are good. Like I got a, you know, they got me an Acme. I got a shirt. I'm an Acme driver in one, or you know, so I'm fully covered. Yeah, but the, the writing is pretty funny, and they're, they're just quick little blurbs. They're about a minute and a half long or something, a minute long, because they're on Instagram. Yeah. And they're uh, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, they're they're good. I think those are those are the last things that I have done. And I had I think a couple auditions for other stuff, but I was I just wasn't in very good shape, so I already knew yeah. it was a foregone conclusion. So is that like something that you just kind of taking some time off, but like you you want to keep on pursuing? Like you you got to tap into that that potential somehow. Like you yeah. know you've lived your whole life being drawn to you know being in the public, being around people. You know yeah. like public speaking, you know, like yeah. broadcasting. Like you like there's there's something there. No, that's absolutely. Just you gotta... I would like to. I, I would I would like to pursue it for sure, and, and uh, something that, that I would have to give like one hundred percent. To really uh, be able to make it, it's not something you can like. I've just kind of sat back and I get calls for auditions and I go down, and I'm lucky enough that I can get the auditions. So I've been very fortunate in that sense. And because for me, when I get from the camera, I have no problem being a goofball, you know. So I I, I don't look at myself. A few and go, years of practice along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I never looked at myself as this big, huge bodybuilder. So I never took myself seriously because, you know, some people think, well, I'm so big and jacked. I can't act like a goofball. It just yeah. doesn't go, you know, but I don't see myself like that. I'm just a regular person. So if they're looking for someone who's a little bit bigger, but, you know, can act goofy on, on screen, it works well for me, you know, because my auditions are, are over the top. The one audition I did for Auto Trader, they came in and they said, the premise is you are on the computer and you're looking for your dream car. And you come across it and you see it and get excited. So I did it and I was, I just freaked out, slapped myself in the head three or four times and started yelling and screaming. And the director said, that's the guy we want. And on one take, it was the quickest audition I ever did. Yeah. And that was it. They said, okay, we're going to call you and you're in. And Sweet. I was like, fantastic. I wish they could all be like that. Yeah. No I had, I had one. Which is kind of funny because it came down to two guys, me and another guy. And the commercial was for streaming. They were streaming movies. So they wanted someone. They told us, it's down to you and this other gentleman. And he was sitting there with me. They want someone who's 
not very good looking, but is but it but, but can yeah. but can pass for this role. So we looked at what each an interesting other. way to like look at two guys and like and then we're like philosophy is not that good looking. Yeah, so you're it's, kind of in yeah. a win lose situation. So if I if they pick me, they don't think I'm a very good looking guy, yeah. but I do get the commercial. But if they don't pick me, well. I'm way too good looking for yeah. this commercial, but I don't make any money. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. I got the commercial. Sweet. So I didn't know when, uh, when we were celebrating, me and the other buddy, like I, he was celebrating, oh, congratulations on getting the commercial. And I was like, well, con- congratulations on, you know, being a good looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes that, sometimes that kind of thing works against you. I told yeah. you, you know. But what an interesting, like, especially something where, like, a lot of people are putting stock in the, in their image and they really connect with how they feel based on how people see them or how they represent themselves yeah. and say, like, we're okay, we're going to see you guys down and be like, the person who's going to get this is going to be, like, you know, not very good looking, but it's you. you I, know, like, well, I know. You're kind, so you're kind of like, like you're kind of like, you have to really have a pretty thick skin. Yeah. Because I tell you straight out. You know, sometimes they'll tell you we're looking for someone who's better looking, you know, and, and they're telling us to your face with a straight face. They're not joking. You're like, oh, OK, so, yeah, you know, I'm just not a good looking guy. Yeah. You know, you, you got to be able to get past that, you know, or are they yeah, oh, you're too is, short or you're too tall or, you know, and it's like, you know, good looking is only, you know, it's very secular in that moment. Right. Where it's yeah. like the, what they think is good looking for this very specific narrow minded role where it's like this is the only thing we're looking for and like it doesn't I guess really mean like good looking like in general. Yeah. Right? Exactly. It's like just like just, just this moment for this one specific look for this commercial, this movie or you this. You just TV laugh show. it off. Like when they tell you something like that, you just say, Well, don't tell my girlfriend because she <laughs> thinks I'm good looking. So yeah. don't wake her up to the fact yeah. that, you know, I'm only a six dressed up as a nine. Yeah. You know or you I mean? call her real quick and like, Hey babe, uh you know, like, <laughs> like, do you think I'm good looking? Yeah. <laughs> do you think I'm yeah. good looking? Because yeah. it's part. They're looking for someone who's not very good looking. So what do you think? <laughs> and I just got it. So I'm, I'm confused <laughs> exactly. right now. I feel I'm, like I'm good looking. I'm extremely confused. <laughs> just tell me I'm good looking. I come yeah. home with, with a smile yeah, on my yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, So it's funny. pretty uh, It's pretty funny in that sense. Like, I mean, they, they, they can tell you could be too big. Yeah. You know, or you're just not in good enough shape. Or it could be a million things. Or yeah. sometimes you're just, maybe you're not the right color. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely. know what I mean. Yeah. brown hair, we want a blonde. It's a number of things. You you have to be prepared. You know, the odds of you getting the commercial are really against you. Yeah, because you're in a room with uh, maybe seven or twenty five other guys, who are all pretty good. That you know, they're looking for a specific look, and everyone kind of looks the same. Yeah, you know, except for some small differences. So you got your work cut out for you. Yeah, I think you say like eye color, skin tone, hair color, yeah. like all these little things come into play and stuff, yeah. right? So and you know, uh, some of the guys they look really good, but maybe they're just not so good at reading all the lines. Yeah, you know what I mean? Or and maybe it's like, well, that guy looked better, but this guy really gave a good performance. You know, it could be a number of things. So you can't take anything too personally. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know why? Why don't you tell us a little bit about this app too? I know you've been working hard on you know, you know, you know, working with your team to be able to yes. come up with this app and you know, like fill us in a little bit more of that because it seems like it's almost a little bit, you know, like Chuck's next journey. Yes. Okay. Life, right. So the next project that we have, it's an app called Fantastic Life. So it's a progressive app. What it is is an app for people who have chronic illness. 
So let's say you are a person who is um, maybe you're 40, 50 pounds overweight and you have high blood pressure and maybe you have uh, cirrhosis. Let's say hypothetically. So the app will build a meal plan for you specific to your needs. So no two meal plans are alike. So if, if one guy uh, has issues and his roommate is like, oh, can I use your meal plan? Because this one's working. You're, you're losing weight and you know you look really good. It won't work. So it'll build a meal plan specific to your high cholesterol levels and your cirrhosis to the liver. So it's got AI built in it. So as the app goes and progresses, the, the information on you, it learns more and more about you. So it starts off with a seven-day tracking system. So you wake up, you punch in for breakfast, I'm having this. It counts all the macros for you. And then you let it know when you're having your water or if maybe you're having juice or maybe you're having wine, who knows, uh, your activity level, you're going to work now, um, I'm having my lunch. So everything you do through the, for the first seven days, you, you're writing everything down into the app. So the app is starting to generate a lifestyle pattern for you. Then it comes up to a questionnaire of 100 questions. So it's very thorough. It'll ask you how tall you are, your weight. It'll ask you some family history. There's a lot of questions. So the app will already pretty much know all about you. Then you start, then it builds a meal plan. So you start off on the meal plan. So the app will count the macros for you and it'll tell you each meal what your macros are at as your day goes by, your protein, your carbohydrates, and your fats. So the app isn't a weight loss app per se. It can be used for that, but that's not what it's for. So it's mainly for people who have chronic illnesses of any sorts. And we know now that about 98% of the world's population suffers from hormonal imbalance or chronic illness of one sort or another. So the app is going to be global and it will be to help people to be healthy in their life. It'll track their sleeping, it will track their water intake, their activity levels. Uh, if they're doing meditation, that'll be on there. You'll be able to plug it into a Fitbit or an iPhone and gather information from there. We're going to build 10 generations of it. So generation one is just the beginning. And then, so you'll be able to take pictures of your food, put everything into the app and all your information. So the app is going to be encrypted. So all your information that is stored is going to be private. So that you know um, nothing is going to, you know, the, the public's not going to find out anything or whatever the case may be. It will have an avatar. So let's say hypothetically you are a 295 pound gentleman. So as you are on your meal plan and your weight starts to go down, the avatar is of you. So you take a picture of yourself from the front, from the sides. So the avatar is, uh, the, uh, the technology is really good now. So it'll look exactly like you. So as you lose weight in real life, the avatar will also get thinner and thinner and thinner. That's amazing. It's going to be crazy. That's crazy. It's going to be, uh, we think it's going to be very, very big. And those are just a couple of the features. It's, uh, by the time we get to Generation 3, we want you to be, the app will be talking to you. So it'll be like, good morning, Blake, how are you today? So for breakfast, we're going to have three eggs and a piece of toast, or we can have chicken and broccoli, whatever, whatever it can be. That's it will, crazy. It will remind you 
when it's time to drink. You haven't had any water an hour and a half, Blake. You need to hit three liters today, so it's time to have a glass of water or two glasses. Um, activity levels, it's going to tell you, you know, you haven't trained yet, you haven't gone for your jog yet or meditated, whatever it, whatever it will be. It'll basically, what it is, is going to be a nutritionist that is going to be in your pocket to go with you wherever you go. See, and that's when people always talk about it. It's always like, what should I eat? You know, it's like that's always – it's like, well, there's so much information online, but everybody wants it more refined than that. Like if you had an app talking to you and telling you like, okay, these are your two options. Pick one. Like I, yeah. I can give you ten, but here's the two options. It's yeah. like, you know, three eggs and half of an avocado and X, Y, Z. You know, it's like – this, that, and the next thing. Like, this just, yeah. that's what people want. Yeah, yeah. recipes to go with. They just, like, that's, that's awesome. It's going to have recipes. It's going to have international cuisine with all healthy meals from all over the planet. So, if you are living in Spain and you're on the app, so it'll be in Spanish. And you'll have meals from Spain that you can take from international cuisine that you can have for your meals, too. It'll build you meal plans for wherever you live. So, whether you're in India... Oh. Japan, Canada, America, Greece, it'll have you covered. Well, and, so, you know, those are always the thing when people travel, they're like, I don't know what to eat. I don't need, know where to work yeah. out. Like, these are the things that they're faced with, you know, when they go is, you know, I don't know what the healthy options are at home. How am I supposed yeah. to know what a healthy option is, you know, like when I travel around the world? And, like, that just simplifies it yeah. exponentially right there. So when you are at a restaurant and you order something so you're going to try to order the healthiest food you can when you go to a restaurant when you're on a meal plan so you're going to take a picture of your food and the app is going to tell you if this meal is good enough for your meal plan or how bad it is or how good it is wow it'll have a tracking progress uh, tracking uh, system on the app that is going to tell you if you how how close you are to your plan if you're 75% 50% or if you're 100% on so it'll have like a reward system, you know what I mean? So it'll say 70, uh, 75%, which means you're not following the plan 100%, so you can't expect 100% results. So this is what we need to do to get back on track. Wow. It's going to have a scanner that is going to – you can go to the grocery store, scan the food. Instead of looking at the ingredients, it'll tell you if this is healthy enough to be on your meal plan or not. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be really it's, it's going to be insane. I think I really think that this is the first of its kind. There are apps out there, fitness apps and weight loss apps, but this is specific to people who need meal plans according to their body condition. And there's some features with this that are very much different from you know, I just might not know of all the other apps out there. I've tried quite a few myself. But there's, there's definitely some holes in them, and it seems like this app definitely yeah. covers those This holes. will have a follow-up system on it, too, because especially the first week or two is very important Yeah. for follow-up. Because when you start eating a different meal plan and you're ridding your body of toxins, uh, people tend to get headaches. Uh, they don't feel very good for a day or so. So they need to know that this is normal. Yeah. So the app will tell them. There will be questions. They could log into the questions, you know, tell them that this is what my issue is, and it will tell them. You know, that's totally normal. In two days, it'll be gone. There will be also a system where you'll be connected to other people and it'll pop up. Boom, Jimmy John from New York City, uh, 10 days on the plan, I've lost 10 pounds. Or, you know, Frankie yeah. is in uh, Spain. You know, I've been on, uh, on, the, on the app for a month and I feel fantastic. You know, just so you have a little bit of a connection, other people who are also yeah. using Fantastic Life. 
Wow. And that's so just the beginning. Where Where is it at right now? Like, can, can people access it's this It's going to be released probably within a week. Wow. So, so we're like kind of like hearing about it, right? So the by the time that this episode airs, if it if your guys' app comes out within the next like couple weeks, this episode of We Are I will actually come out at the same time roughly that your your app is being yep. launched. That's all you, amazing. All you have to do, because it's a progressive app, you don't have to go to the Android store or the Apple store. All you got to do is punch in fantastic life, one word, dot CA. And then a video will pop up and instructions how to how to get on. And then you just go from there. And then it'll tell you if you want to subscribe to get a meal plan. Like I said, you can have, uh, it'll track you for seven days and you can stay on there as just counting your macros, you know, but if you want to get onto the plan and to start ridding your body of chronic inflammation or whatever it is, maybe you have bad cholesterol levels, uh, then you will, then it'll be a $9.99 per month. You know, which like just like what most people are paying for, you know, like that's what, like two coffees. That's exactly you know, that's what everyone says, those lines, right? You know, like where it's the, and the, like I said, like the features to me, like saying like, Hey, you know, it's lunchtime, you know, based on all the information that I know and I've gathered about you. Like I would suggest like a couple of these meals. I know that you typically like chicken at lunchtime. Exactly. You know, like, so here's some chicken options you can have. Like it's, that yep. to me would be worth the 10 bucks right there. It's going to begin to know everything about you. So the longer you're on, the app it's going to know exactly what what your breakfasts are what time you get up what time you go to the gym what your regular day is like it's going to be just like the ais that you people have now to turn their lights on and off and their heating systems on and off when they're away when they come back because it picks up on them yeah it's going to be crazy we want to try to implement too because it will be talking to you so uh, a feature of maybe it's going to be in Sean Connery's voice. Oh, nice. Yeah, or like, maybe like Stallone. Or, sexy Australian or, or, or maybe something. it'll be your wife. Yeah, yeah you know, or your, or Whoa, your husband. Whoa, let's not go too far. <laughs> like, you need a degree of separation somewhere. She doesn't need to be talking no, to you on the absolutely, app, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Maybe, maybe it'll be your daughter's voice. Oh, there we go. So now you that know, would be a so sweet I mean, one. Yeah, absolutely. So we're working on that, too. You know, that'll be a little bit down the road. Yeah. So uh, And it's going to have an affiliates program also. Uh, down the road, which is going to be, let's say someone is visiting, let's just say Burnaby, and they're looking for a gym to train at. They'll punch it into uh, into the app, that, and the gyms will pop up that are in the area. And if they want to go to a specific gym, they will pay the drop in into the app. The app will put the money into the gym and take ten percent. Yeah. Or maybe you need a chiropractor or a massage therapist, or you are trying to find a health food store that's affiliated with foods that you make. It's gonna have a lot of a lot of stuff on it. It's gonna be really insane. See, you know, that's the one thing that I find like in the fitness industry. It says that you know, obviously, for the way that you guys are headed and all those tech junkies out there, is that. There's nowhere that I know of or like an app or a website or anything that you can go to saying like, here's all these like quote unquote mom and pa shops, which is like, you know, like the say like this place or like the, the juice bar next door or, you know, like yeah. just like all these places are really hard to find like individually because, you know, people are typically doing all their own like web design themselves or, you know, like they're doing their SEO tools themselves and, you know, like they put them in the wrong category on Google because yes. they don't really know how to be able to do it. So it's tougher for users to be able to find them, you know, but it'd be nice to have like one thing where you could go and say like, yeah, like this is me again, the, the app, it knows the things like it knows you like cold pressed juice, 
it knows that you go, you know, typically to the chiropractor around yeah. this time. You know, like it suggests all these different places in that area. Yeah. Like organically, so you don't have to go and try to find them or something. It's gonna them. be basically it's gonna be having your own personal nutritionist with you at all times. Yeah. We're we're living in a day and age now where people are consistently on the go. They maybe they have two jobs. They have many activities. They got to take care of the kids, pick up the, the boys or the girls from school, take them to hockey or gymnastics or a number of things. And they just don't have time to go and visit the nutritionist, sit down for a consultation or sit down for, uh, you know, how, how the meal plan is going. So this is going to fill that spot for most people. And it's hard because all those professionals are only with the person at that appointment time. Yeah. So it's like, here's the information you need. Now you need to go be independently strong in an area that we already know that you're not necessarily yeah. strong at and be successful at that. Like it's such a system for failure, but you know, obviously we can't live with people. No, no, no. For you sure. know, like, you know, like I'm not a nutritionist, but I'm just saying like in general, like a nutritionist can't go live with a person and say, okay, for the first two to four weeks, yeah. I'm going to live with you. That's just not reasonable. But like this becomes that extension of that, you know, yeah. where, you know, having like a system in your app or if too many red flags are, you know, kicking up that some like you know real person contacts them and says you know like hey we've got two red flags today or five this week or something like we can see the wheels starting to come off the bus you know like we need to make sure that you're progressing down the right road especially in the beginning of a program when you're first starting something new because you don't know what to expect yeah so follow-up is of paramount it's super super important that a person is able to find out why they feel the way they do maybe they're maybe they're on a a keto diet and they get the keto flu you know and they're not they're feeling run down for a couple days and they don't know why so you know in an average scenario if you start feeling bad well you're abandoning the plan that you're on you're going to go back to eating regular foods yeah but if you have a good follow-up system where you know that this is part of the process it's much easier to get through that you know yeah 100 percent. you know and that's where the all those little things are kind of always knocking at the door, you know, like, hey, Chuck, you know, like, are you successful here? Like, hey, Chuck, the water, hey, Chuck, the sleep, you know, like, yes. we're just kind of keeps going. And then, you know, like having like that same system, like as people are more successful and they're plugging the information in, you're getting less reminders. So it's almost like organically shifting the accountability onto them and off the app. But if they ever start to slip, the app's right back there to be able to yeah. pick it up because then those red flags start kicking in. It's also going to have – the app is going to have its own YouTube channel Yep. Uh, with tons of uh, recipes. So you'll see the foods being made in real time um, with uh, – just from a camera, from a top angle point of view with the editings, with all the ingredients or whatnot. Uh, there will be videos of uh, on Instagram also. It's going to be a whole thing. It's going to be massive. Like we're really, we're very excited. And we're especially excited about the fact that it's going to be global. Yeah. So we could uh, hopefully affect people and change their lives all over the planet. And we want it to be, so it's going to be $9.99 Canadian. So if you're living in the U.S., it'll be $9.99 in American. But if you live in... Argentina or you live in Mexico or a country that uh, you know the, the the exchange rate is can be pretty costly so it will be nine dollars it'll be nine pesos 99 cents in Mexico so people who don't have as much money can still afford to have a nutritionist and be on the app without having a conversion where it's going to be 400 pesos a month so it's affordable for everyone yeah 
You know, that, that that's very exciting to us, actually. Yeah, and that's a really interesting model because it, it's, it's kind of like a, a global socialism, right? You know, like you have like this this concept, you know, like there's always this, this business that needs to make money, you know, but as, you know, people in, you know, more like socioeconomic depressed states or areas, absolutely. it allows them to kind of like pay for what they can afford. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Or it allows that access because... You know, like that that's amazing. We need more stuff like that. That's one thing I was talking about these kids with who were just on here before is, you know, my concept to them was, what if fitness was free? Like, what if you as a child, you could try any sport, any level, like any gym class, any yeah. facility, anything. It was just free. Like, the concept was, like, we just want you to move. You know, because my, my question to them was, do your are your parents active? Yeah. And they all said yes. But what about the generation growing up now where the parent, where they aren't active? They're going to have kids and were never active themselves. How are they going to teach kids to be active? Exactly. You know, so it's kind of like playing on all those concepts, you know, like where it's just like how can we just stimulate everybody, give these opportunities to everybody yeah. and say this is just as we get more technology and as we get more complacent in life, you know, like we need to be able to, you know, like – get out there and step outside the box and have these little systems saying like hey as a as a species as you know humanity we need to eat healthy we need to exercise you know like we need these system checks you know not everybody has the money to be able to access it you know like yes. all these kind of things along the way where we can all support each other to just all live health, healthier and happier yeah yeah, yeah. it's that's a, a great that'd be a great concept if everyone can do that yeah Absolutely. So, um, you know, maybe this is like a good place to be able to drop off this podcast and stuff. Um, again, just one more time, you know, like how, you know, people, you know, can get in contact um, to be able to download the app or more information about it or when it's coming out. I know this will be around the time when you guys are just launching yeah. it, so it'll be perfect. You know, maybe we can so, even try to time those dates yeah, out absolutely. where we can pump it out there absolutely. for you guys at so the same time. The app will be out at the end of March, the beginning of April, uh, maybe April 2nd, April first around there and uh fantastic life well one word fantasticlife.ca and then just hit click and it'll pop up there will be a probably a video there might there will probably be a video of me yep so you'll see me there and i'll be explaining to you things about fantastic life and then you can proceed with the seven day tracking and then decide whether you uh, want to get on a plan or not depending on what your body condition is like that's awesome yeah that's awesome. uh, we're we're excited. It'll be it's gonna be very exciting for us. Cool. Well, yeah, we wish you all the success and thanks for coming on. Well, and thanks for having you know, being me. so candid too Thank and really kind of being raw and, and open about it. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, any way that you know we can help support you guys here, like we are just getting the message out. And you know, obviously, there the the nice thing about this podcast is there's people from around the world who listen to it. You know, whether you're talking yeah. Australia, you know, Vietnam, Japan, India, Germany, Ukraine, you know, yes. Costa Rica, Mexico State. Like it's just. It's kind of everywhere, you know, so Absolutely. being able to get the information about your app, you know, just slowly gaining that little bit of traction, you know, would be, yeah. I hope we can have some kind of influence and in just being helped, like, you know, push you guys down the road that oh, you're already traveling. Oh, it's fantastic. No, right, I, so. I, I, thanks for having me. I had a great time. No problem. Have a wonderful day, Chuck. Thank you.